have to write words to be said All these antique words to thread It's in the show Though you don't know The darkness on the stage The curtain goes away No safety net to save Open the door to the applause And spiral Write words to be said All these antique words to thread It's in the show Though you don't know The darkness on the stage The curtain goes away safety net to save open the door to the applause and spiral in the ways when she Photography Podcast. Show number 63, July 1st, 2012. Live performance by Pink Delicates Plus. <laughs> awesome. Pink Sailor. Beginning of our the summer show. Summer show. First we need space, then we need chicks, then let's fill the top with gray alcohol. Set up tickets, put it on PJs, start sprinting all the Right. Oh my God. Yeah, summer break show. Smooth delicate. We'll yeah. be right back. Hey. For some, Cameraland is a far-off lake where the boats go whizzing by. For others, Cameraland is their own front yard where the kids go whizzing by. Cameraland can be a quiet place just made for sharing together, or it can be an exciting place that's worth bringing home in all its wonder. In fact, 
camera land is all around you, wherever you go, whatever you do. And it's full of the fun that won't stand still. The fun that's just made for movies. Because movies tell a story as no other pictures can. Step by step, a lifelike story that's so easy to make and so wonderful to see. Right now, your Kodak dealer has a world of new movie cameras to help you capture all the action and color. And new automatic movie projectors, too. You'll find them at photo stores featuring this special Kodak 1961 Cameraland display. Look for it. Welcome, everybody. This is the Film Photography Podcast, the internet radio show for people who like to shoot with film. This is the summer spectacular episode celebrating the release of the new Pink Delicate album, Pink Delicate's album. Long and so many FPV listeners are fans of Pink Delicates. So what could be better than... Like, you know, having the Pink Delicates in the studio right now. And I'm here with Matt, Dane, Mark's fiddle-fowling around. So we got John on a vase. It's playing a vase. And Kevin's on acoustic guitar. And uh, Kevin, what's the name of this song? This song's called Acoustic Fury. <laughs> this is on the new album. Let's hear it live right now.
it's awesome. Thank you. Hey, we'll be back. We'll be right back. It's a great year for pictures. And Scofield makes the picture right. And Scofield any day or night. It's a great year for pictures. So why don't you go and get A N S C O? And Scofield. And Sco. This weekend, make your pictures great with Ansco. Hey, we're back. Hi, Matt. Hey, Mike. Remember we did a show in John's basement like two years ago? I do. That was uh, fun. Uh, for folks who listen to FPP, uh, by the way, we probably will be taking a summer break. Everyone, oh, oh, oh. you can't do that. <laughs> probably the month of August. We're probably gonna just take a take a breather. And uh, for those folks who want to go in the archive, you could uh, find the show where it's myself, John Fidelli, and Kevin comes on. You did That's a right. song. I did. There a couple well. songs that, that night. Yeah, that was fun. Same song. <laughs> Get on the mic. Oh, 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 oh shit! Get on My the mic, mic has been down. Oh, it's okay. Sure. So you guys have an album. You guys call it an EP. You know what? It was started out as an EP, but now there's so much music on it. It's an album now. Okay, this is what we're talking. This is Kevin Neblong, the other Pink uh, Delicate, because John's always on. That's right. I'm like, oh, the Pink Delicate. Well, he's the main Pink Delicate. Yes. He's so the pinkest the pink of the delicates. The pink delicates. <laughs> most delicate. Or John Fidelli, no. Kevin Neblong. <laughs> Kevin Neblong. Yeah. Hey, it's nice to hear you. Yeah, you know, you right. have a lot of FPP fans. Thank you very much for yeah. the FPP people. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, I've gotten emails <clears throat> looking for the new album, so I'm really happy that it's right. finally, you know, just in about here in the can. Just waiting for the, the, just to come back from the plant, and it's good to go. And I've been playing some cuts the last few months, so we've been getting feedback to, from that as well, people saying, Oh, you know, hey, uh, what album's that on? Nice. But, uh, you, could do, you know, you just hit the Google, Pink Delicates, or Pink Delicates CD Baby, and it comes up. The Google. Google. I think people could download or buy the disc on CD Baby, right? Yeah, and download it on uh, iTunes. Oh, iTunes. Yes, on iTunes. That's good. Yes. But it's nice. It's a nice summer afternoon. We're here in the studio. Got the AC blown. It's nice and cool. We got Ooh. coffee brewing. We got cookies Kevin brought. Tim Tams as usual. Oh, Matt Marash uh, experiencing. If it's, what's, what's car jet lag called? I have no idea, but I'm feeling it. Car I need Car- I, I need to slam at least road, two Tim Tams to be road coherent. Lag. Road lag from from driving from road Finlay, Ohio. Got uh, uh, Dane Johnson's over there. The best thing ever. Thank you. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> to both of those. Hi, Dane. Uh, Mark Mark Dalzell. Hello. Hello, John. Hi. John, one foot out the door. Yeah, I gotta go. But uh, so, how long did it take to put this album together? Years. Six years. It's <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Well, it's been you know slowly brewing amongst other responsibilities that one has in life yeah do you think uh by 2013 like there could be another album well the, the plan is now now that this is out we're going to do one every six months that's great wow that's it's a great idea move style them out. I've yeah got, like three or four songs in the yeah the you're, awesome. kevin you're quite the songsmith so keep on brewing you're quite the songsmith thanks mike yeah some really great stuff and in between albums it's not like you're sitting idle you're like uh oh. producing stuff like that dead girl For the Alternative Cinema Podcast. That's awesome. That was a, a, that's a great bump. A okay. song about uh, Aaron Russ, who, inspired like, Kevin doesn't Aaron. make this up. You went to her MySpace, right? Well, no. So it was inspired by your photograph that I saw okay. on your Flickr page that said, underneath it, it said, that dead girl. Like, oh, there's the song right there. Yep. It fell out of me. I uh, frequently shoot uh, Aaron Russ. She's on my Flickr page, and she's uh, one, of the, one of the hosts on the AC Podcast. That's Alternative Cinema Podcast. And you did. You made the song and then a little bumper, it's called. A bumper is like, what, 20 seconds? 
Yeah, yeah, this one was 13 Five, seconds. Yeah. yeah, you heard it right. That needs yeah. to have like a, a Lomo Kino associated with it because that's a perfect oh, length. Bumpers. 20 seconds. You, you could produce bumpers yeah, sure. professionally for the Lomo Kino. Yeah, give me the exact length of a Lomo Kino. And of course, both you guys are a part of the Smooth Sailors, which also include Mark and Dane. Yes. Yep. Yep. I'm bringing down the musical talent in this room. <laughs> uh, do you, Matt, do you play an instrument? Uh, yeah, but it's all, I play all the brass instruments. For from, real? From high school. Oh, yeah. really? I played, uh, I, I learned on, I learned Do you on, own one? I, yeah, I own a euphonium. Oh. I, I learned how to do that. The and coolest then I, of the And then I taught myself the, the sousaphone. I had, to learn, I had to learn trombone, which I had learned from slide trombone, or from valve trombone to slide trombone. And then I played in jazz band. I played uh, coronet, trumpet one. And then I had to learn French horn for... Um, Wow. The con- the concert band. So well, I'm next, a nerd. Next time you're out here for a smooth, you got to. Oh, you definitely got to bring that. We didn't know, and we have some of those at the studio. Yeah, and you were there last time. Oh. The we have all one Would of those. Play? Would you play? Oh God! Oh, come on! You, you, you <laughs> oh, saw how on. smooth runs. Then to it. Yeah. Anything goes. I got a euphonium yeah. in there. And then we can have a, a duo, just you and Alan. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Yeah. I, I really can't. Like, I, I'm very. Like, I'm very technical when it comes to that, so, like, uh, it's going to take me a lot to, like, just kind of smooth out and let we'll, it go. We'll send you the sheet music beforehand. That sounds good. Yeah, right. yeah. That, was, that sounds a lot of fun. If it, that's it. For those that's of it. you who want to know, like, hey, what's on this show? So, right here, <laughs> Pink show? Delicates, Kevin drops in. He did. Uh, the camera that the suits you. The prophecy has come to pass. <laughs> uh, Matt's going to talk about cameras, you know, cameras that suit you. Get, you to, know know your get to know your equipment. Yeah. Contemporary film shooters on the rise. Shooting large format on a budget using x-ray film. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a... We're going to <laughs> chit-chat about vintage Kodak cameras. Dane brought his Porst CLC-TL, also, also known as... The Clapper. Look at that. Yeah, that's some shutter. Holy smokes. It's got recoil. Uh, Mark, what are you talking about? <laughs> As he sprints. In honor of our, uh, our, Kodak. our Kodak episode, I brought a few of my old Kodak folders and uh, Brownie Reflex and some random We're revisiting. Stuff. Thank you. We're revisiting the View Camera, Book of the Month using a View Camera. Drum scanning. It's not, nothing to do with... Uh, who's, who's nothing the guy, to do with the uh, Tommy Aldridge. Yeah, it oh, was okay. Tommy Aldridge. I was yeah. going to say who, Ginger Baker. Oh, yeah. Nothing to do with shopping for Tamas. No, uh, split no. Split grade. Oh, this is over my head. Split grade flashing and other printing secrets. Yeah, we we kind of delved into that the, the last episode. This is all like a continuous learning darkroom segment. Oh wow! So. Well, since we're talking about secrets, uh, Mark Dalzell, you know, we could do this regularly. Mark, you have a Polaroid <laughs> secret. It's not a much of a secret. I just think people don't really realize it. But uh, I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with the um, the automatic 250. That's my absolute favorite. Yeah, no, I would say you definitely are obsessed. Uh, I've got I have a few of them, and um, and I realized being a newbie that there there are actually two different versions of it the first year or two that it was out it has the the big window viewfinder on it so it still has the same zeiss viewfinder that you would get on all the rest of the 250s 350s 450s um but the actual viewfinder window in the back is about four times the size, so it's much easier to Ooh. look through and much be much you easier to line up no, so. i never knew that well because i'm looking through the little tiny like plastic circle on mine the 420 oh right, right so right, like right, anything right. brighter than that's right yeah. up my alley yeah that yeah is. well it's so it's yeah, yeah. It's night and day, so uh, it's hard to see sometimes when you're buying them online or something because people don't necessarily show you a picture of what the back of the viewfinder looks like. Yeah. But um, if you happen to get one, it's much easier to see through. So I'm, I'm, I'm all about the big window now. Thank you, Mark. I didn't know that. I'm glad I do. Yep. Other secrets. Do other smooth sailors besides John, Dane, and uh, Mark shoot film cameras? And uh, we've discovered today that <laughs> Kevin has a Nikon. As of tomorrow, Kevin. F.E. I, I love that uh, can, uh, Ni- can, 
I always do it, man. Oh, the mafia, get mad. the mafia is going to yeah. come oh, back. Oh, yeah. Nikon doesn't, like, it's an FE, but there's no, you have to, like, some fine it's print. On, it's on the, um, It's in the serial number. Serial it's number so right random. Yeah. FE. But then once they hit there's the two. two but it says it right there on the FE2. Well, the two. FE2 says FE2. It's only the FE that doesn't say anything. Because the battery is just dead, right? Yeah, it's just dead. Uh, you can use the camera on, on a manual mode. Yeah, 90, the shutter. Limp mode. 90th of a second. Which isn't so bad. No, that's, that's actually pretty good. And you'd have to just... Uh, what do you call Sweet 16 is? Uh, something 16. <laughs> Sweet 16. <laughs> Depends on whose birthday party you're going to, Mike. Kevin, you really, uh, you brought two lenses. You yes. brought like, you know, a, a ooh and ah lens. Amazing. Just yeah. sitting in a closet for years. A 20 millimeter Nikon lens with, of course, UV filter. UV filter. The sneeze guard. That, uh, sneeze guard. <laughs> And uh, because they pushed these heavily in the 90s. This is 90s, you think, you got this? I think so, yeah. Maybe late 80s? I, th- I thought it was 80s. The camera's Yeah, the camera's 80s. I'm going to guess that this was a hand-me-down from your wife's family. I, that's what I, that's what I was, was Did her mom ever shoot? Gave it to her. No, I think maybe your brother or something. Maybe. Okay. It's a nice hand-me-down. Yeah, Even today, awesome. that's an expensive camera. Uh, yeah, we were trying to figure it out. I think the lens is actually more expensive than the camera yeah. because they're, they're using these for digital now. Because all these fit on the digital cameras, so they're scooping up lenses. Yep. Wow. So with Canon, you can't do that because they have all those different the FL, FD uh-huh. bastages. Well, the, just the body alone can go for. Do I want to use that filter? hundred bucks or so. so. Um, <laughs> this filter? Yeah, well, use it. it. It's dirty. You need to clean it. Sure. And it saves your glass if you're well, like drop a, it a messy or shooter. Yeah, right, okay. Okay. I've it's been taking them off. Well, you ha- you keep them on or leave it on. It's, it's, it's a preference thing. It protects. It's literally it's a sneeze guard. That's all. It protects your glass if it's raining or something. You know. But you don't notice it in the photo. No, unless, gotta, it's, unless it's really smudged or something. My um, my Minolta. Thank God that they pushed them back then. My Minolta XGM I got came in. It was dirty. It was kind of crusty. The gla- you know, I, it had a UV filter on. The glass was kind of crusty. And I took that off. And the lens, the one it was 1.7 was perfect. Perfect. Like they put that UV filter on the day that guy bought that camera, and it never came off. So that's most. I'm glad that somebody put that on there. That's why then. I like buying the the used cameras because there's a lot more. There's a lot of guys that baby their stuff, yeah. and I'm just gonna beat the hell out of it yeah. as soon yeah, as I get right. it. Yep. Yeah. Same here. I take it apart, put a hot shoe on it. Anything, hot whatever. Shoe. Everything gets a hot shoe. Everything gets a hot shoe. Put an amplifier in it. Yeah. 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 I think. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, you know, we couldn't squeeze these into any of the photo walks. But do you think that you're gonna shoot some frames with this? Absolutely. You are? Oh, yeah. I'm going to hold you to it. Oh, yeah. I'm going to bring film on Saturday, so I'm, okay. I'm looking forward to it. Good. You guys have got to walk me through it, though. I'm not oh, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Alan, who's also in Smooth, Alan shooting has he, he doesn't really shoot much anymore, but he does own a Yashica 44, I think, uh, 120. And he, okay. he used to have, shoot. Doesn't he have, like, a 1.2 on it or something, too? He, it's something. Uh, yeah, it's nice. It's really nice. impressive. And, yeah, it's, it's the whole impressive. package. And, uh, and he used to actually shoot in, the, in like, 70s or 80s, I guess 70s, that uh, and when he lived in California a lot. Like, uh, was he's got thousands of, you know, uh, negatives at home that wow. he's, like, never looked at since then. You know, he just... Even Kenichi said he, he was just cleaning up the other day. Yeah. He said, oh, I found my old Polaroid Ken- camera. I haven't yeah. seen it for yes. 20 years. I said, oh, what is it? Oh, it's a 250. He brings like, it oh, over. Oh, he's got a 252. Yeah. So he was shooting last time. I Tuesday. saw that, yeah. Did a big window it? 250. Is it at the studio? Did yep, he left He it. had it, yeah, at Tuesday. So I, could, I could hook him up with some stuff. I got a million flashes. Yeah. He seemed a little. He was patient with it, but a little frustrated that oh. couldn't get it up and running the same day. That's, yeah, you know. Yeah. That's well, how it goes. the little contact cleaner and the wire brush and yeah. just takes a little time. John I cutting out. Shot for twenty years. John's uh, stepping out. Thank you, John, for coming by and playing those tunes. Oh, no problem. I wish I could stay, but I gotta go. Gotta go. Yeah. Gotta go.
Bye, John. All right. Have fun. All right. Say hi to your mom. I'll see you in two weeks, John. <laughs> John, I'll see you in two weeks. Okay, now that he's gone, no. John's gone. Okay, it's now almost we like start the real podcast. Yeah. Just ten minutes of mom, <laughs> John's mom jokes. Start the recorder. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, hey man, let's talk about uh, cameras and cameras that suit you and nice. getting used to your camera. I mean, that's a big deal. It is a big deal, and I think a lot of people kind of glaze over it because they're they're in the heat of the gas. <laughs> they're in the heat of the moment. Get get getting as many cameras in their arsenal mm-hmm. as possible and mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's a bad that's not a bad thing at all right. because the more formats you're you're discovering and trying that's what's great about photography mm. you can well film photography especially because you can have instant film you can go minox you can go whatever if you can imagine a way of shooting there's probably a camera that can accommodate that and the more of them you try albeit obscure or not you you get a feel for what you know what suits how you how you shoot and mm-hmm. you know I know some people that they'll write in and say oh Matt you're really gung ho about eight by ten it must be the best thing ever and they try it for themselves and they're like oh my god this is way too much work that's too much work for me and yeah. some people mm-hmm. they like to be not mm-hmm. run and gun but they like to shoot more volume and that's mm-hmm. great yeah I don't but so it's yeah yeah it's just finding your finding your thing tweaking totally. your uh, your process once you have it. It's like trying on shoes. You it just, is. You Not every shoe is going to fit. Try a bunch of them and right. Yeah. Yeah. I, you, have to, you have to figure out the quirk of your camera, and it specifically applies to instant photography because you know there was a lot of complaining about the new impossible film, but quite frankly, the same stock works differently in every single model. Every every because camera's yeah. a little every different. Every camera's a little different, yep. so you have to yep. know, yeah. like, oh, in this camera, I know the knob has to be all the way to it's dark. Gonna be, it's going to be uh-huh. over or under. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yep. I, I was astonished when yep. I figured that you know three of the same model cameras just yeah. were a little different. Yeah, and so. it takes a, a few packs to get figured it out. That's why I don't buy know. just one pack of Impossible. No, no you do not. <laughs> yeah. buy, buy a few. That's that's a good comparison, Mark. I like that with the, the shoes because I would say eight by ten is like wearing the uh, the giant platform shoes that have like the dead goldfish in them. Oh yeah, that's, love that. That would be kind of the shoe I'm wearing right My now. My bunions. Yeah. So what, bottom line is, uh, what about people who are buying a lot of cameras? I mean, you get a little compulsive, a little antsy, like oh, I'm going to use this camera today. I'm going to use mm-hmm. that camera today. Well, I think love that. It. If you if you keep jumping, you don't give yourself time to develop like not not a rapport, but a routine with the camera mm-hmm. that you're constantly doing certain things. So you'll want to you'll get past that that comfort zone and you'll start pushing it and you'll do you'll start doing different things or riskier things with that camera. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, if you would do something riskier, if I gave you a Holga camera versus this beautiful Kevin's beautiful Nikon FE, I think he might do some different things with yeah. it. Yeah. And yes. work within those limitations, but he might not like the Holga, so he might go back to the Nikon. But he has a whole different eye when he gets back to the the camera he's comfortable with. So trying out those cameras has a benefit, mm-hmm. full circle to all the other stuff he might try. But he wouldn't have known that without letting go and well, trying something new. Uh, here's another analogy. I compare a lot of it to like you know how when you get cravings for certain kinds of food. Cravings. Yeah, you know, like you're like uh, I really I'm dying for Grand Szechuan. I want triple cooked pork with some, you know, <laughs> and, I'm, and then and, and then I'm like I'll have that. Then I'll be like, You're over okay, it. now yeah. I'm, you know, I need a salad. Okay, now I want some barbecue. Now I want some Mexican. Now I want some Italian. And I eat every kind of food there is. And it, what I find was with the cameras, too, is I'll take the, I'll get psyched about that. I'll take a roll with that and I'll put it away. Yeah. I'll go to the next one. And it takes a lot longer because you have to go back around at least, I think, three times to, uh, to really start to get no. And you refine know. your taste. And yeah. And you'll find out what it's really good for. Like, and, what, and then once you've scanned them in and got them developed, you start to see, like, oof, that doesn't work there. Or, 
in the one I'm finding now is I, in general, am overestimating my uh, range on uh, when estimating meters, feet, whatever. Oh, okay. All my, I have so many of my, I'm focused like 18 inches behind. Oh, back focus. I'm yeah. like, ah. So now I'm like, now I know what I got to always go, okay, that's six feet. Nope, it's probably not. Back it up. But, and then the food, one of the food analogies, you know, you burn out, you know, you, you yeah. burn out on this. If you couldn't yeah. eat Indian food every day, you know, even though I, I would like to, but you'd like to try, yeah, I'd like to try, but it wouldn't work out. Different kind of gas, but the Fear uh, acquisition syndrome, yeah. by the yeah, way. Yeah. But if yeah. you did have to eat Indian, so let's, let's, let's flip this on. It's yeah. Like, if well, you had to eat Indian food every day, mm-hmm. you'd change, you'd find ways to change it up and make right. it, make it work. So too. every time you go out to Indian, you get a, you get like a chicken korma and you get like a sog paneer or whatever. Maybe you keep eating it every day. All Very of a sudden, you're like, you start to try, huh, there's seafood on the Indian menu? And, you know, or you'll try, like, oh, what's this? Yeah, you'll uh, refine your you'll taste. You'll start to yeah. order different things on the menu, and then you'll get a, a wider and then you'll idea get, of, of what Indian a, food exactly. is. Exactly. Are we still so, talking about cameras? I thought we were talking yeah, about yeah. gas. Gas. Yeah. <laughs> So, anyways, that's that's where I find it with a I lot say, of I cameras. say Indian food and gas are hand in exactly. hand. Exactly. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> the, and the, the other problem I have, too, is because. Uh, uh, I buy a lot of cameras. Like I said earlier, I think I bought five or six different cameras this week. Is that when I jump around so quickly, I, I forget which camera I'm even using. So I'll, like, I'll pull out one of my Kodak folders and I'll take a picture. I'll think, okay, I've got to set my aperture and I've got to get my shutter speed. And mm-hmm. then I, you know, okay, it looks good. Take the picture. Oh, I forgot. You have to focus this one too. And then I'll jump over to my Ansco Mark, and then I'll, you know, which is a rangefinder. Then I'll jump to an SLR and I'll jump around. So you're almost constantly fumbling if you do that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I waste a couple pictures on every roll because I forget. Oh, yeah, on this camera, you have to do this thing first. So like, oh, yeah. So yeah. I jump around too much too, but I. That's always the thing I recommend to like students. If, they, if students write in or somebody is saying, oh, I, I bought this because you guys talked about it and it's, it's just not doing it for me, we'll, we'll keep shooting it. Like, yep. Keep, yeah. it yep. You're going to get better. Put it, uh, if it's not working handheld, put it on a tripod. Yep. If it's not working on a tripod, use a, use a faster film. If it's, you know, get a cable. Just go through all the motions to assure that you're really doing what you say you're doing because a lot of times there's a lot of different ways you can... You know, not get the shot you're looking for because a lot of guys buy the medium and larger format stuff looking mm-hmm. for sharpness, and yeah. then they do something that will just completely mess up that you know uh. that chance for a sharp picture. So you just narrow that down, and what you're doing really is, no matter what the camera is, you're forcing yourself to learn whether you know it or not. So the bigger cameras are just going to make you slow down right. faster mm-hmm. and force you to learn by giving you, like, really expensive test shots. Yeah. 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 So, I bet will get you. Yeah, well, so yeah. it's easy to get discouraged, but like I, I wouldn't. I'd say don't stop buying cameras if that's if that's what gets you with the cameras. I was telling Mike, you know, pre-production. The for me, it's not the go, it's looking at the pile of cameras and saying what am I going to shoot today. For me, it's amassing uh, a library of negatives and going into the dark room and saying what am I going to print today. Yes, mm. yeah, it's a whole different thing. So yeah. I think that's uh, that's. Well, you have where no I'm, problem picking camera. Ugh. I, well, it's just I have one for each format now, pretty oh, much. Oh, good for you, man. See, I, I mean, don't, I don't have a lot of duplicates. Pretty much every one of my cameras is unique, except for the polarized. I do have a lot too many of those. But so, depending on what I'm going to be shooting, will determine what camera I'm going to be taking. Yeah. So that, Every, that everyone a has a, a mood or a feel to yeah. them. Yeah, it's not like I have eight different SLRs and it's deciding which which SLR I want to take. Yeah. Out today, no, know, I'm so. pointing at some other guy when I'm talking about that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> our, I'm sure our listener. Oh, you've witnessed it. I've witnessed it. I mean, I, it takes me 20 minutes to pick a camera. Like I'm going to the diner. I feel yeah. bad. For, I feel <laughs> I'm not bad even for joking. you too. Like I'm like Mike. Are you okay? Because you look like you're sweating sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm like I'm Stay staring. Like Standing there swaying like Rain Man. Like like he's choosing which child is gonna like not survive. Yeah. Which one doesn't eat tonight? Yeah. Exactly. 
Well, I'm sure that a lot of listeners maybe have this same same you know feeling. So, so stick with it. I guess is the real. Th- you know. Well, you know, the thing is, uh, well, growing up, I had one camera. I had a Canon AE one program and three lenses. That's all I had. Like was, and it wasn't even a thought. To get another uh, camera. A lot of people are like they like. Uh, yeah. I think Alan's that way in a way. Uh, he has this Canon uh, F. Maybe the F one. I don't know what. I think it sounds like an F. And, and he's just like, no, I got a camera. And yeah. it probably and it takes great it takes shots, great pictures. And he's fine with that, and it's great. And only when I got back into film photography, you know, picked up, uh, you know, dug out all my old stuff back in '08, did I start getting gear acquisition syndrome. Start like I buy like you know. I had a Canon AE one, but I bought two more, and you know, I got a Canon FTB, three of them. And, uh, you know, I guess it's because it, my, my thinking is, if, hey, if I have the FTB, I want to have uh, extra body in the, in the yeah, bag. You're covering your sure. bases. Yeah. Covering yeah. your bases. Okay. I mean, it's not like I'm out pr- pr- shooting professionally now. Right. So well, it's just a mentality of, so now, here we are three years later, and, you know, it's like camera apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> How many cameras do you think you own? Uh, now, do you count the ones you that you I don't sell count. or just the ones that you own and that you wouldn't sell? That's, that's uh, what, no, that I have my own personal collection. Right. That's what I, how many do you think that is? Um, it's probably less than you. Th- it's probably f- like 50 cameras maybe. It's not oh, a lot. It is less than I would think, yeah. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. But I have like a lot of duplicates. I, it's a lot mm. of odd duplicates. It's like someone, who, a friend of mine who used to uh, collect album soundtracks. He owned it. Yeah. I was in his car, and he's playing a soundtrack from like the new Bond film. And he started explaining to me like his obsession. Yeah. He owns it on cassette, then he'll buy it on LP. Wow. Hmm. And it's like, okay, here's a Canon, Canonette, you know, QL17, and you know, I'm going to wind up buying another one. I don't know why. But anyhow, uh, lately I've been getting getting into cameras that I've not shot before. Because, for example, I never shot range finders until this year. Wow. I'm getting, I'm getting into those, wild. too. My gas is coming yeah. back in the form of rangefinders. You know, and it's, it's kind of fun, refreshing man. because you're like, you know, after a while, you're like, well, what is that? I know yeah. I never even thought about shooting yeah. with that. Yeah. My, my biggest fear going into it, because I've really gotten to know the pieces of equipment I do have, is that stumbling time. And if yeah. am I going to give myself the time to get used to that camera? Yeah. Or am I just going to say, oh, no, and I'll go back to my... Yeah. My, my little comfortable circle of two yep. or three cameras. So it, it works. It, it's... You know, six of one, half dozen of the yeah. other. Yeah, they're like different. For me, it's like different mediums in a way. It's like you know, you can expect this something different from this than from that. Yep. Yeah. And it might not be, be it'll be better at this and better at that, or maybe it's just it fits in your pocket and that's all you care about. Yeah. Or, you know, or like you were saying the other day, he never uses his Minolta SLR because he's like, well, it takes such perfect pictures. You're I like, feel like it's cheating. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always have a really nice picture so in my pocket. If so. you could find a really wide lens for that and just shoot in B mode, bulb mode, and you know, you, all of a sudden your standard 35mm SLR is making Lomography type shots. Yeah. You know, which, I do, which is I, what I do at Smooth. It's like I'll bring a camera yeah. down. Oh, yeah. um, whenever I go to visit these guys at rehearsal, I go because it's like testing ground for a piece of equipment. For example, the Mamiya 645 medium yes, format. I like it those. came with a 210 millimeter lens, which is, which is pretty long. And I for thought, that. I'm like, when, it's like, when am I ever going to use this? Yeah, but those Get shots. Tied are, in. Yeah. But I thought, you know, awesome I want to shoot looking. these guys playing, rehearsing, and I, I don't have to be on top of them. I could be right. pretty far away. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a 135 lens. Or yeah, something. and you know, get. Ch- and I'm not used to using zoom lenses. I'm very rusty at using zooms. 
Some people like John, he doesn't even use his Zoom for his Minolta. Mm-hmm. Like some people, you guys use Zooms at all? I have one for my Yashica or long but it's, lens. It's insanely. It's like a, it's only like a two to twenty or a three twenty, but it's like fifteen inches long. I guess it was just and it weighs <laughs> like six pounds. So I'm always like, it's I, for a Yashica SLR. Yeah, it's a M42, and and I I haven't actually because it just has to sit on its own tripod. It's so heavy that I just put the tripod out the window at the studio and I oh. threw it on there and I just left it there and I'd walk up every once in a while and take pictures of guys doing push-ups or something. I have a so. 200 millimeter for my, my Minolta and I, I only bought it because it was five bucks. I've never used it for anything. I just, uh, I'm a wide guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. me too. I'd love, I'd, I'd love to. Those are just so expensive now. Those wide angle, anything wide yeah, angle, yeah, every, everything so wide angle is amazing. Sometimes expensive. you see it uh, in movies. Apartment dwellers sometimes use those lenses to spy on their neighbors, like in Rear Window. Rear Jimmy Window, Stewart. Yeah. yes, Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, that's you right. Know? Yeah. You know, you can buy a lens like that for your Mamiya. They make us five or six hundred oh millimeter. It looks God. like a torpedo. You know, coming out of your camera. Or, yeah. yeah. What was well, I have one? a four hundred uh, body weird, double. That, yeah, that four hundred body double. Yep. Thing. That's a weird one. But. I just remembered something. Somewhere in my house, I have a lens that my father would use for his camera. It was like this long. It's yep. gray. It's like a telescope. We would just use it as a telescope because it was so powerful. Oh. And you can unscrew it and put it on the camera. Huh. That's a T-mount. Oh. That's a T-mount. It's yeah, a telescope it's mount. It, it, probably yeah. is a, it probably is a telescope. You can actually adapt your Canons and Nikons to attach to a telescope. Oh, wow. yeah. It was so powerful. Yeah. And they make for the, let's say you have a 300 millimeter lens for your Canon SLR. They made the two-time... Extend like adapters. Yep. I used. Talk I converters. doubled up those. Yeah. I found two of them, and I doubled up the, the three hundred. So dark now. <laughs> it was, I don't even know yeah. why. I can't wait. To, we we just sent those off, and we'll you hopefully know, get. I bought soon. a five hundred millimeter lens. It's fat. It's called like a mirror lens. Are you mirror lens. With oh, those? Yeah. Now mirror lens. Cheaper, right? cheap. They're cheaper because yeah. it's. If you get the Sigma or whatever. Yeah, because it's got a lower f-stop and it's using mirrors. So obviously you're, you're like you're gonna have like more, more uh, chromatic aberration and stuff like that. But who cares? It's five hundred yeah. mils and for it's like, like sixty. Bucks. And it's this big, and it's like. Eight yeah. inches, yeah, it's, those yeah, are it, too it, cool. It operates on, under the same um, premises like telescopes do because you're, you're using yeah, that, ex- telescope. that, that extra reflecting yep. light to brighten up the yeah. image. I have one. I'm going to bring one down to your rehearsal one yeah, day to shoot fun. with it. I have a lot of light. You know, and like it's so disappointing. I bought it. I start testing it out in the backyard, shooting squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just it was so like no subject matter. Cause it's like so romantic when you buy these things online. I'm thinking, you know, think of all the wonderful things you're going to do with it. Or, yeah. You know, you know, rock and roll show. It's like <laughs> you shoot a volleyball tournament with. Yeah, this. I'm yeah. shooting a squirrel. Then here's a squirrel with a nut. You know, <laughs> it's always like that though. And I think that's why some people get get gas worse than others, just because it's like they build up all these expectations, and then like the camera, there's yeah. more cameras than there is stuff to do with it. Yeah, I mean, yes. I, I, I'm glad that and you guys as well that we're actually using our stuff. Mm-hmm. Because there are people who buy on eBay and just put them on they a shelf, hoard, you know, yeah. or just uh, you said or, or they'll do those things that they suggest online, where they like turn it into an alarm clock or some crazy <laughs> stuff, or, uh, or a guitar, guitar amp. amp. Well, that's uh, actually that's a, you guys are getting a ex- uh, pass on that because that's a they turned a Polaroid. Uh, this one, a right? Swinger Twenty, which is this right here. Yeah, it's it's pretty much the most it's useless what? camera. They turned a Swinger into a guitar amplifier. That's, that's fine. It's awesome. It sounds great. It actually sounds better than the original. It's a, yeah, Dane it's, has it's, one in the original box. It sounds and terrible. It, it, it gives it it's louder. It's yeah. more full. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. You built it, Mark? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I built it for the uh, this um, topic. The gigs. This topic goes right into uh, you know, Matt. I'm going to ask you. You say you know, contemporary film shooters on the rise. Yeah. What do you mean? Well, I I don't know. I don't know specifically if they're if they're on the rise. Maybe it's just <laughs> because I'm like. 
you know, I'm keyed into the film photography world, but yeah. it feels like the more I, I look on social networking sites, the more I'm seeing guys who love, who are moving for, like as soon as they learn what they're doing on digital, especially street shooters, yep. the next move up for them isn't some super expensive medium format camera. It's buying a, like buying a Leica and shooting oh. black and white film That's all the time. Amazing. Really? Yeah. So like, uh, I, I told you a couple months ago, but maybe the, maybe the listeners can check it out. There's this really cool blog I got featured on. It was called Japan Camera Hunter. Oh, there's a oh, there's a there's a bloke awesome. there's a bloke uh, Bellamy Hunt. He's a he's a, a he's a Brit- he's a British That's fellow. Great. He's living he's living in Tokyo, yeah. and he he procures obscure cameras for oh. for the the highest bidder. You know. That's amazing. So if you have oh, you kind of wow. like give he's like the agent that you give him a mission to find this rare camera. He'll find it for you in these very. Um, very almost secretive uh, Japanese camera dealers oh, underground wow. almost oh my God. in some of the priciest dis- camera districts in uh, Japan. If you if you ever go to Tokyo, I have a good list of places you should go. Do you speak Japanese? Uh, enough to not die. <laughs> Matt's been around. He kept trying yeah. to kill him until he learned. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How long were you in <laughs> Japan? Learned to speak that. Uh, the first, well, that's what got me into photography. I was there for... Uh, oh, did you run into Majunji? I did, this is well before you guys know the Majunji show on Mijunju? YouTube. Yeah, no. Majunji show. Yeah, Michael Jones. <laughs> yeah, Michael Jones. Yeah. Oh my God! FPP Ooh, yeah. meet up in Japan. Japan. Japan? That would be yeah. awesome. I Although have for 2014, I have frequent flyer miles. I can go. I can go one way for free. I just can't go back. Yeah, well, you just yeah, you have to stay there stay and work there. off the return. Well, we're gonna, you know, yeah, that's up. You know, yeah. I like. I'm a homebody. And I have to tell you, this past FPP in the UK. I mean, John initially drove it. He's like, we're doing the UK again, right? Like, I don't know. Come on, man. Let's do it. And then he contacted uh, Pancho, yeah. who organized our walk in the UK. Did a great job. And then everything just fell into place. That's great. And the thought is, I mean, why go to the UK every year? Go, go, go to Germany. Else. Go somewhere else. Go to France. I want to go to Australia. There's a lot of film oh, shooters in so Australia. so many film shooters in Australia. They have a huge club. That is a long trip. It is. That is a far, far yeah. place to yeah. go. Japan's about the So, same question, area. Matt. Yeah. Do you think we're in – are we – in a like we we don't realize it, but we're in a bubble, or are are actually film shooters on the rise? That's that's the question I have for the listeners. Maybe the listeners can can cue in on this because maybe they're far enough outside, you know, they can yeah, they can look on point. it with a fresh set of eyes. But I really think that there's a lot of young shooters out there that are choosing that are choosing film just because it suits their their style. And I know a lot of street shooters are m- either migrating back to film, or they're learning they're learning digital and. It looks stale to them, and then mm. they like throw triax in the, their dad's old camera, and they go, "Wow!" Yeah. And they, I mean, think about it. A couple months ago, Leica announced a, a black and white only yep. digital camera, That's right. and that has digital to digital rangefinder. Yeah. Digital rangefinder. Well, what do you mean black and white only? Oh, it, it doesn't only, it do ha- color. It doesn't in have digital. A, in digital. That's That's a sensor. Insane. They took out the red and the the, the colors. Is it cheaper because it's it's oh more God, expensive? No. More expensive. Wait a minute, that's insane. What is yeah. it like? But it's eight thousand. It's like eight or nine thousand. But it's yeah. delivering a pure actual black and white file. Correct. Okay. And it's sharper because it doesn't have all those. Filters it doesn't have in front to do the uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. But, that's you know, crazy. That's I stuff. think I think that speaks volumes about where where we're at right now. I think people are really on on the cusp and they're they're trying to win back yep. some users that are going black and white like that. But a lot of them aren't going because. A roll of Trihex is a heck of a lot cheaper. You can buy a lot of film for eight, nine grand. Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, and I think stuff like uh, Lomography and Impossible 
is uh, drawing it. people yeah. back yeah. in yeah. too. They've got great packaging, the good marketing. You can pick you know, up those so. cameras really cheap, and that's kind of it's like they're like gateway cameras. Yep. Yeah, the old Polaroid in, and then like oh, the SX70 is fun, but we keep learning. I'd like to, be able to see what I'm taking pictures of. So yeah, so be, but if you go, if anybody goes to that Japan Camera Hunter site, this guy features uh, like what's in your camera bag, kind of like the camera porn. They lay out their bag. Nice. I would say 85, 90 percent of the camera bags he displays, not because. It's only film shooters that listen to him, but they just have the neatest looking bags. You know, they have the neatest different gear. They're always like street shooters that shoot with film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I saw this uh, a gentleman I, I know from the large format forum. He submitted his uh, four by five gear, and I was like, oh, just to be a smartass, I'm going to submit my bag with the eight by ten. In it. Oh, geez. So I was featured. He featured me because he's like, oh my gosh, no one's sub- oh, you know, sent me an eight by ten bag. That's awesome. So. But there's now this, like, ever since around around that time, maybe six, seven months ago now, there's this big interest in film. So he reviews all these obscure film cameras and then like point, really high-end point-and-shoots. It's a, it's a really cool site. You should check it out. What's it called again? JapanCameraHunter.com. Is one guy site. or is it a bunch of people? No, it's one guy, but he's he's got, like, a great network uh, of street shooters that follow him and kind of promote him. Does the website have a black background? Yes, it does. Oh, yeah, I have you've, probably, you've probably been now, there. Now that you've talked about it, I realize yeah. I have been there before. Yeah. And, uh... It, it's a cool site. Uh, Mijonju plugs him a lot. He's but, not the one that demos the uh, demos the uh, digitalizer on YouTube, is he? Maybe because he he's there's this one guy down. Like, this is crazy. This is interesting. And you can never tell because like his hair is like shorter. Sometimes it's like, super long. Sometimes it's like <laughs> yeah, like thrown out. But I think I think that speaks volumes too. That like there's all these younger younger than me now. They're all like yeah, p- they're picking up film because it's like a, it's a distinct choice. It's 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 separating yourself from the pack. Yeah, uh, it is the Majonjo show. Can yep. you put Hold this? Is right how up. I learned how to use the digitalizer. Hold it right up. What's going on, people? Welcome to the Majonjo show. Where we talk about some cool cameras and we talk about some cool things. Yes. Um, check out my glasses. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, wait, anyway. I thought okay, I, I have a I got a scanner, film scanner. Jump cut. I want to scan sprockets. Yeah. And uh, this is the holders, film holders. Yeah, He's hip. They don't show uh, you this. You're that uh, You're a hipster. And that's so. Majunji, M-I... Majunji, I think. M-I-N-J-O-N-J-I. Majunji show. M-I-J-M... He gets some crazy hits on the YouTubes. Yeah. yeah I was going to tell you, Mike. Did you see what our most popular FPV video is? No, tell me. It's the large format video. The one where we're sitting there, like right here with the yeah, camera? Just, just dicking around with everything? How many yeah. hits? Like 5,000? No. It, uh, a couple months ago, I was looking at it, it had like 25,000. We're just sitting here with the crown graphic on the table. Just fumbling yeah. around. Like the most shittiest, boring video we've yeah. made. Yeah. 20,000. And that's how it goes. You know why? Because people want to. They want to like know. Camera right they want to know. Yeah. They want to know how the heck does this camera work? Yeah. So it has to be on the rise, and right? We the trying, interest. Yeah. A lot of people are picking up those cameras. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't mind picking up one of those cameras. M-I-J-O-N. Yeah, How's that go again? Mijonju. Yeah. M. M-I-J-O-N-J-U. Mijonju. Well, he helped me, I'll tell you. I was. I got the digitalizer, didn't know what to do with it. And I go, and I had no idea. And I just watched this thing, and it was like, oh, there it is. Yeah. I just think there's more young film shooters coming into it. There's a lot. There's, you know, the camp of guys that just never migrated. Some, yep. are, go- some are going back and forth. And I just think it's, uh, there ha- it has to be on the rise. There's so many more. When I watch documentaries now, a lot of the guys that are still doing book projects and traveling photojournalists, there's a lot of them that are making that specific choice. No, I'm doing this project black and white film. I'm doing this on film. Right. Because it keeps them... In, in the heat of the moment, they're not, like, chimping in the middle of, like, a big report. Yes, yes. I wonder, are there any digital shooters, you think, that know their stuff and don't chimp? Chimping, of course, is when you shoot, look at the back. I know shoot, a, look at the back. 
shoot, look at the back. I know a couple photojournalists locally, like totally near unnecessary. me, like yep. Toledo and Detroit area, they will tape, like they'll tape the back of it. And they'll, and they'll tape the, the nameplate on the camera just because they want to be low key. They don't want some, some gear addict coming up mm-hmm. to them going, oh, hey, what do you got there? Oh, can I see what you should yeah. like? Yeah. They just want to do their thing. It, so, it shows lack of confidence, like 100% lack of confidence. Yeah, it's like a crap. We had a, but, it, but it's, it's, it's the way it is. It's like I'm not – it's it's, yeah. it's not a trend. It's just yeah. the way it is. There was, there was one lady – It's human nature. Oh, Gene actually uh, – I don't remember what the story is. He actually – he's a Nikon guy, and they, he got hired to do a gig, a corporate gig. And uh, he got there, and they had cannons. And he's What like, do you do? <laughs> yeah, he didn't know what to do. I've had, I've had that. Uh, it was like video stuff, so oh, high-end okay. video, corporate video. But the thing video. is, you know, the Canon and Nikon controls are like reverse. Yeah, he figured it out, but he said I, I, they had, a, he had, he had, tr- he had issues. He was, I can't. I was like, wow, is it really? I've never used them, so I was like, wow. Leslie's favorite story for me at, at in Finley. She always tells it to some of the the film students at the university when they come in. There's a there's a professional photographer in town. I won't I won't say her name, of course, but she's a digital shooter, and she's like a super chimper. And mm. she'll she'll do like the full body chimp where she's like bowing in and out and, and like it's annoying. I'm sorry. Every every shot <laughs> she'll do it. So it's like it's got to hurt her back. Yeah, I mean, like leaning in and out. It's it's. I mean, you're protecting yourself, especially if you're working professionally. But it doesn't to, to get look the professional job. either. It's not. You're, you have you're showing that you have absolutely no confidence whatsoever. Oh, it's awesome. The chimp. You can email those files, right? I can email the app. Okay, but here, I, sometimes, I'll just, here, I'll give it to you right quick. Sometimes I need it. Like, I mean, if you're a digital shooter and you have a digital SLR, you can easily go out and just do your Sony 16, but is anyone going out putting their camera no. in all manual? I, I think that's what's so funny. When people ask, uh, like, if you even go to a bookstore, like, yeah. everything's the, the digital manual, the this man. So many things are just cut and paste from... Yeah. Like any photography manual will teach you everything you need to know. Yeah. All all the basics apply. It's just there's a few a few quirky things here and there. There's a new Sony one that's coming out. Apparently these two new whatever those SLR or whatever they are the digital ones and they have a new software thing that that for portrait mode it actually focuses and crops the head to to be so you're so you can be sure that all of your pictures look exactly the same. <laughs> oh, wow. And they're like, this is the stupidest thing. The guy, the reviewer, was like, why would I want yeah. you to automatically crop all of my pictures? Yeah. Well, this is mass marketing. Uh, Olin Mills. No. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, I mean, it's the same. I mean, they, they want to make cameras for the masses. Mm-hmm. You know, well, not necessarily I, I photographers. I agree. Everybody should just should family have members one. who we record. Because there's lots of people, you know, lots of folks in my family who can't operate a camera or they're, they're f- fidgeting. Yeah. How many people? Three, four, five. My aunt... Aunt Linda. Not Aunt Linda. Oh, She's okay. still using her 110 camera. Aunt Pat. Okay. She's like, uh, you know, the whole, these pictures are in my camera. How, how do what I get do them I do? out? I mean, it's, it's a serious problem because people really don't. They shoot Didge, hmm. go on vacation, they bought, bought the camera, yep. don't know how to get them out. Nope. Not a clue. Digital cameras take good pictures. The problem is your photos end up staying in your camera or you're forced to sit at your computer to see them. And trying to make prints can be confusing and costly. With digital cameras, it's just so confusing. I mean, you have to deal with all the wires and the software and everything else. Uh, With this camera, I just take my picture, I get my prints, and I can take them and share them with anybody I want. Or they they know how to get them out and... I have an aunt who used to do this, and my mother used to do this too, where she would take a digital picture and then email it to me, and I'm like, 
Mom, these pictures are too big. You can't send me 50 of them. Right. <laughs> and they, you know, they come out on my screen. Can you print this for me? Yeah. <laughs> how, how come they're so big? I don't understand. How do you make them smaller? You know, it's I think, not uh, a one-button process. That's why I would imagine you go to any store here in the U.S., any store, and there's uh, disposable cameras. Yes. They still know, are. They're selling. Yeah, they are. Because you know what? People don't feel like being bothered. Well, it's for a, for a three-pack of uh, 400 it, at Pathmark, it's 12 99 now and for a digital i mean for a throwaway 35 million camera it's like 15 <laughs> so is it really it's cheap they're stupid they're yeah. still so you might as well just i mean well it's only one roll i guess but yeah so people are buying those with the flash yeah it's got everything and it, yeah whatever so i i guess we don't know but we can only guess that uh, contemporary I, I, film shooters are on the rise i think it's on the rise and it's to the point now where it's no longer a a qual it's not a quality choice it's like a, a whole shooting style a whole mentality choice mm-hmm. it's not the i'm doing this because of resolution unless you know unless you're getting up in the large format right. kind of stuff um, unless you're doing that it's it's a it's a style choice mm mm-hmm. mhm I think there's a lot of people choosing that alternative style. Which That's is cool. cool. I, yeah, I have a, I have a ton of film cameras now, and I'll I'll shoot a couple of rolls a week, maybe, but I'm still shooting a couple hundred digital pictures a week. Oh, you are. You shoot so, that much? Yeah. Because wow. I do a lot of oh, I mean, guitar, stuff, musical eBay, instruments, you know, stuff. eBay. You know, I'm taking pictures of instruments that I build that I need to archive. Yep. Yeah, yep. and there's practicality versus just yeah. having yeah. fun. Yeah. So you know, it's the digital is still so convenient. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean. Pictures of my daughter, you know, she's just doing something funny. I'll whip out my digital and take a picture of her without having to worry about having a camera around my neck. You know, right. So, yeah. Hey, when we come back, we're going to talk, talk about how Matt is wrestling X-ray film from doctors and shooting it in his 8x10 camera. <laughs> hey, it's Michael Rosso urging you. Actually, I'm sitting here with William. Hey, William. Where are we? Hey, I'm sitting here with William, and we're in the FPP virtual store. <laughs> Wow. I feel like I'm in Tron. So, like, we're inside your computer. <laughs> I don't know how we got here. <laughs> Anyhow, I'm here to urge you to go find your mom, your grandpops, your friends' Polaroid camera in your closet or attic or basement. Anyone you know, guarantee you they have a Polaroid camera. Get that camera and start shooting with it. Absolutely, you should do that. And uh, William has been uh, working here in the FPP store, our virtual store that has a you know real three-dimensional shipping department Absolutely. <laughs> with a real person in it. Yeah. If someone orders something, uh, you'll, you'll be talking to them. Yes, I'll be speaking with you. Oh, that's awesome. Once you find your camera, you can come to the FPP store to stock that camera with film, whether it's SX-70, 600, or Spectro with the Impossible Project film because we're an Impossible Project partner store. That's right. And that's very exciting. Or if you find like an old pack camera, we are like your Fuji Pack film headquarters. Oh, we have Fuji 3000B, Fuji 100B, and we have Fuji 100C. Yeah. Yeah, we have some expired Polaroid in there too. Filmphotographystore.com or just click the store tab on our website, filmphotographyproject.com for all you folks out there and I can't tell you how many of you have like grabbed a Polaroid camera and you're excited you're like hey man I picked up my Polaroid camera because you know you were talking about it so much that I did it myself and William there's not one person they're all like I love it I've actually been affected oh yes (laughs) yes he had what happened 
So I was at a garage sale, and I found what was a uh, Polaroid Impulse. Impulse, which and I made an Impulse buy, and uh, Mike checked it out. It actually works. They're very sturdy little cameras. Sturdy little cameras. Uh, Impulse is a 600 camera. It would take uh, the Impossible PX600 or PX680. Now we have the new cool film for the summer, the newest uh, chemistry from the Impossible Project. So, hey, I just wanted to share that with everyone just so everyone knows. Cool. Cool. Filmphotographystore.com Hey, we're back. Matt, what's this about, like, uh, some... The secret, the Secrets show. The Secret's out. The Secret is out. Isn't the name of your album These Secrets? It is. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> it's not one of the secrets, though. Oh. It's a secret. Who would think to take a sheet of x-ray, x-ray film, film and put it in your 8x10 large format camera it and shoot it? It looks beautiful. It's, it's cheaper than paper negatives that we talked about last time. How does it work? What happens here? All right. So, well, the, the biggest secret that people don't want to tell you, well, not, maybe not don't want to tell you, but just don't know. Yeah. X-ray film is no different from the film they used, you know, way back in the day, orthochromatic film. Okay. So it can't see red. That's the only. That's the only big deal. The only thing that makes X-ray film sensitive to X-rays is after the X-rays pass through your body, they go in this special holder that has a <laughs> uh, has a rare earth metal or a rare earth magnet. And as soon as the X-ray X-ray radiation hits that, it scatters out some blue green light and exposes the film. Oh, that's what makes the exposure. So Kodak makes X-ray film, a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Fuji makes it. Agfa has it, and uh, I buy it from a place called CXS Online. Dot com and it's cheap, 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 cheap. Wow, a hundred sheets. It's great to practice on, right? It's it's great. Great to for do everything. Every, well, portraits. Eh. Okay. Okay. Was it good for landscapes? Yeah. MRI. MRI. Yeah, <laughs> not so much. But how, how how often do you shoot with X-ray film versus? Uh, when I do my barber shops now. Yep. I'll uh, I'll do I'll do one or two sheets on like a good expensive film, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I'll take two more sheets, just throwaways. On X-ray, just in case something happens. Right. But it's going to have a different look because it sees blue and green light. It doesn't see red light. So oh. you got to play around with that. And like I talked about with the paper negatives, the skin defects, or, oh. or like the, the fair skin, you'll come Can you out. use a filter? You can use a yellow filter to kind of tone it down. Mm-hmm. That flattens everything, just like pre-flashing the paper that we talked about on last episode. Very much. As, we'll talk about flashing again. So yeah. X-ray film. Okay, so there's some weird things about it. It's quirky. Okay. It's a thing. Like things will show up in your picture that you didn't even shoot. Like your film, bones. The film, is bla- <laughs> the film is black and white. <laughs> if you get that, you got, you got screwed. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. You're oh. using too bright a flash. So the, the film has a blue base. Okay. It's like a light blue base. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of... So like you've everybody seen that blue color before when a doctor yep. puts it on the light box. Yeah, yeah, TV. sure. So, and it also has two emulsions. There's emulsion on each side of the film. Oh, cool. So it's double coated. Mm-hmm. So you can't enlarge it. You can contact print it. But we're talking large format, so a lot of people are contact printing. They make x-ray film in up to 14 by 36 inches. Jeez. Huge Ooh. film for cheap, for like a dollar a sheet. Very, oh, wow. Um, when people steal silver, they steal x-ray film, and they fix it out for the silver because it's the highest silver content. And what do they do with that silver? They, uh, they recover the silver, much like people recover it from a fixer, so and, the- and they'll, they'll refine it and sell it. So they'll break into a warehouse and steal like ten pallets of the stuff. Yeah, which brings up my price. So I don't like that. <laughs> so interesting. Would have thought that. But X-ray film is uh, it's a thinner base. Yep. So like if you look, it's like the you ever shot FG film? Yes. You know, sometimes it's like if you're you might see scratches on it pretty easy. Yes. 
it's it's about as thin as that FK film, and if you look at it the wrong way, you'll probably scratch it. <laughs> if you look at it the wrong ah. way, it's so I, I you have to process it in like a hanger. So they always have these stainless steel hangers that they for dip and dunk tanks. So mm-hmm. You need a lot of chemistry. You need to make it. So what you're paying, what you're not paying in buying the film, you're you're expending in time and effort and stuff like that. Right. I'm not going to go into all of it because right. there's too many intricacies. If you want to shoot X-ray film, you you have eight by ten or larger that you want to shoot experiment with play around with or enlarge to make enlarged negatives for alternative process send me an email matt at filmphotographyproject.com we'll link in the show notes to the uh i wrote a huge blog post about x-ray film yep if you type shooting x-ray film on uh google, google. My, my article will come up the google people are search. it's the most searched thing on my site x-ray film comes in eight by ten sheets because that's for x-rays so x-rays. you have to cut it yourself to do four by five four by five and you can't but the best okay best secret about uh, secret but it's not secret, but it's x-ray film, so it's, it doesn't see red light. You could buy these little Kodak Junior bulbs, little 7-watt things, yep. and put it in a reflector from like Lowe's, like a shop light reflector, the little tin. And you can process and load the film. So to teach people how to do, do large format, you can do everything under oh, a red light cool. and watch it you develop. load the camera. Or and in the dark room, and load the camera, and load the cam- well, load the film holders, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then when you process the film, you can watch it develop, so you can learn how to develop by oh, inspection wow. too. Mm-hmm. And when you develop by inspection, everything's going to come out perfect because you're watching it come up. This is wow. important news for folks who are like drifting into eight by ten photography. Slipper, it's a slippery slope. Yeah, I have an odd question. Yeah. What happens if you take a picture of a red apple? A red apple, it will be very dark. Ah. Um, you will be only capturing the reflected like UV light off of it, which Whoa. will be very dark. So, like, if I were to take a picture of this uh, red GE coaster, it would come out the same exact tone as Mike's dark gray suit jacket. Wow. But green, green things like would shirt would that would come out almost white. That'd be like a very close to it. It'd be the same as his skin tone, actually. And then like a medium blue, like this Polaroid box would come out just a hair lighter. But they have green sensitive, so it only sees green, so blue and red go dark. They have blue sensitive, which looks like wet plate images because it's only sensitive to UV and blue, hmm. so green and red go dark. So really funky stuff. Ah. It's, it's experimenting, it really but long, at, yeah. at 10, 15 cents a sheet for some of it, sheet. You, can go, you can go crazy. Yeah, you can just yeah. Sheet. That's yeah, exactly. Cool. Sheet. So email Holy sheet. This could, I could talk about this stuff for hours because yes. I'm so gung ho about this. Email me. I'll answer all your yeah, questions. Email. If if it gets out of hand, Mike, we'll make a vid. Okay. Yeah, make a vid. When we come back, we'll be talking about our love for Kodak cameras and why everyone loves Kodak. Man's best friend. Make some of man's best pictures. Appealing snapshots. Beautiful color slides. Lively home movies. Your dog has a personality all his own, so you don't need trick shots or dog show poses. Just watch him quietly, keep your camera ready, and you'll get the kind of picture only you can take. If you can, have a helper who knows your dog. Then, as he talks quietly to your dog, you'll get the kind of alert expression you've been waiting for. A favorite ball or bone is almost sure to bring you an appealing pose like this. And don't forget his friends or acquaintances. And remember, they all look best before a simple background. Of course, you'll want to do as all professionals do and take several shots of every situation. That way, you'll be sure to get pictures you'll enjoy over and over again. And whether you make snapshots 
color slides, or home movies, always use dependable Kodak film, the film in the familiar yellow box. Hey, we're back. Hey, let's read a quick letter. Oh, okay. Hey, would you like to read a letter? Sure. Hug, hug that mic. Yes. Never had, uh, yeah, hug that mic. I never had Kevin read a letter before. All right, so. It's got such a soothing voice. From you should sing it. Andrew. Okay. Aren't you singing? Sing it. Sing it, okay. <laughs> have been enjoying the website recently. You mentioned in the latest podcast the Minolta High Matic, and it Hi. certainly did not get rave reviews. Uh, sorry about that. My um, brother-in-law has ooh. one, and it makes a good picture, but in the hand it feels very bland. I'll agree. Yes. <laughs> However, it does have a history in space flight, don't you know? Oh, that's that. Yeah, yes. Okay, I heard this right. Did you guys know that? Yeah. The yeah. High- no, I, I, well, we yeah. learned from him. Yeah. Is that the end of it? Continue. Okay. The High Matic has a special place in history. John Glenn carried a modified version of the Minolta High Mac with him aboard his Mercury capsule when he made the first manned orbit of the Earth by an American in 1962. He's from Ohio. The modifications involved a handle and enlarged wind lever and trigger shutter controls. The camera was operated inverted using an auxiliary folding viewfinder mounted on the bottom of the camera. The camera is still on exhibit at the United States National and Air and Space Museum of the Smithsonian Institute in D.C. All right, cool. I'm going here cool. this summer. Mm. Yeah, it. yeah. I'll take a picture of it. Well, <laughs> wow. This, this is not that this one. This is not, not that <laughs> <high>. <laughs> But, yeah, this is like a three-ounce black plastic thing. Um, but, but I do have to admit, I, I scanned in, you know, we, I scanned in that roll, and then I went and put them on the flicker, you know, right after we did that show. And uh, and they actually, some of them are really, uh, considering it was a roll of 24, like 20 of them were pretty good shots. From the Hymatic. Yeah, I mean, they they were just nothing special about them, but I was kind of like, after I went back and looked, I went, some of those are pretty cool, you yeah. know, considering, but he's, he's right, that, that it doesn't feel like you're doing, we're holding anything. It's like a VHS. The problem tape. is, you know, maybe we have too many cameras and we can't love them all. I think it's a personal thing. You know, you run yeah. into someone who's like, oh, I love the Hymatic. Maybe their dad had it. You know, it becomes yeah. personal yeah. for yeah. you. Yeah. So, Kevin, you did an awesome job reading that Thank letter. Yeah. I was hoping you maybe consider reading another one. Sure. Oh, wait, wait. Let's do this. <clears throat> right. Oh, okay. Well, right, we're oh, serenading this letter. Kevin's going to sing the letter. Hold on. Wait. I'll sing the letter. This is Tom from sunny Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> I just received my PX680 today. <laughs> so excited. Gonna shoot it tomorrow. That's great. <laughs> Thanks for the... <laughs> Keep going. This is good. Thanks for the bubble wrap. It's like Christmas for the cat. You guys are doing a bang-up job. I've been a listener from day one. I went to art school, 90 to 92, and all we had was film. (laughs) My first print sale was a pinhole image. Finding your internet radio show has really helped rekindle my love for photography. 
I'm about two microns closer to selling my DSLR smiley face. <laughs> yeah. I would like to assure you, the capo, and all the other film soldiers that if they ever find themselves in Portland, Oregon, you must go to St. John's to see Blue Moon Camera for yourselves. I used to live in PDX, in fact, right down the block, and it is a mandatory stop. Next stop is Cathedral Park, a few blocks away to break in your new-to-you camera. It was my favorite spot to sit with a cigar and snap away. Kevin needs to read a letter every show now. This is is amazing. That was great. Over the top. So please, all your letters from now on, make them Who's this from? (laughs) Yeah, it's from Tom from sunny Boulder, Colorado. Back in a second. We'll be right back. Oh, thank you. Hey, this is Michael Rosso. Did you know that the Film Photography Podcast is listener-supported? That's right. Without you, there is no Film Photography Podcast, which is why we need your help. Please consider donating to the Film Photography Podcast by going to filmphotographypodcast.com and in the upper right-hand corner, clicking the Donate button. Your donation will keep the Film Photography Podcast running through 2012. Any purchase that you make in the Film Photography Podcast store will also support the Film Photography Podcast. Let's keep these shoes coming. That's right, yeah. Support the Film Photography Podcast. Tim Tams sind Schokoladenbiskuits mit aller Füllung und Schokoladenüberzug. Man kann sie für ganz erstaunliche Dinge benutzen, wie zum Beispiel als Trinkhalm für Milch oder als Bulettenersatz für einen vegetarischen Burger. Mm, Tim Tam Burger. Für Geschicklichkeitsspiele wie Domino. Oder zur Errichtung massiver Monumentalbauten. Oder ganz einfach als Schmuck. What do you, what do you got? First of all, thank you Kodak. Kodak is very, very kind to FPP. They acknowledge that we are... Really into this stuff, a little bit, and uh, I think they they have a sense for our sincerity, especially um, our good friend uh, from the PDN, Scott Di Sabato. Scott Di Sabato, I have a I have a print I have to give to him. I'm, should should I get the address from you? To yeah, send I'll it get in? The, uh, Yeah, I have somewhere. Okay, because some of my best work was made with the film he gave me. Oh, okay. So, so he, needs, he needs a print. Kodak has uh, they donated all this film for our our photo walks. And I'm very grateful, and uh, I love Kodak, and I thought, hey, let, let me have Mark and uh, Dane bring in a uh, Kodak camera to talk about. We didn't. <laughs> oh, Dane does. I did. I mean, uh, Mar- Mark does. Yeah, Somebody I, I have yeah, a big but Kodak camera me. I can talk about. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All I got was the clap. 
Oh, okay. So, uh, we were, so Mark brought in a, one of his Kodak cameras. Actually, this uh, this is a. I have a, a Brownie reflex. I have an old number one, and I have a, a number three here. The bra- this Brownie reflex is actually different than the one I may have brought before, which was modded to fit thirty-five. This is still right. a one twenty-seven camera. That nice. I use one twenty-seven in. It just has the electronic flash on it. What What'd you do to the flash? It looks really tricked out. I'm too. I'm too. It's electronic use, uh, now. Yeah. So it's got a, an actual. Electronic flash, uh, so I don't have to use bulbs. Yeah, I see a lot of glue and stuff, but it looks it looks great. Like that very was usable. Your first this was a prototype. Yeah, this was yeah this was a prototype. What's, what model really. camera is that? This is the, uh, the the Brownie Reflex Synchro model, which they made from uh, forty two to early fifties oh, or so. Okay. It's relatively new for a Brownie kind of style camera. Yeah, yeah. it's a whole different yeah. Brownie looking. It's not like it's old fashioned looking. Not the box. No, it's like, it's sort of like a like a TLR style. It's like the faux viewfinder. Yeah, thing. exactly. Yeah. So, but uh, it actually takes really great pictures. In this, I've started re-rolling uh, my own uh, one twenty seven film for it. Oh. I got some Kodak uh, once uh, one sixty NC. So besides the fact that you uh, rigged a electronic flash where the bulb used to be, any other modifications to it? Nope. Have totally you stuck. seen any results from this camera? Yes. I love it. You do, especially with the electronic flash. If, if your subject is, you know, six or seven feet away, mm-hmm. the flash just blows them out, and you get these giant shadows on the wall behind them, and it has a very fifties look to it. Yep. I really like it. Yeah, and is, um, does this have a fixed focus? It's uh, it's six feet to infinity. Okay, but I actually I have a the portrait <laughs> lens on here. Nice. So I actually have a close up lens. The portrait lens was made for it. It, it came on the camera. It's, it's a, yeah, it's kind of a generic Kodak. It's a number thirteen Kodak oh. portrait attachment that fits yeah. Does it fit the multiple holiday? cameras. Oh my goodness! How close so can you get gun. with the um, how, how for portrait? Like so, what I, I believe this is three to six feet. Three to six feet. This and one. what is that called? That little adapter? Yeah, that's neat. The, I've never seen that before. The uh, the number what was it? Number thirteen? Yeah, number thirteen. You know, and Roger, the guy that donated that camera, uh, he has all, he says he'll dig them up. He has a whole set of lenses for it. Oh, so cool, yeah. he's got Roger Sayer. You know, I forget that the Kodak made. They had so much yeah, stuff standardized. That's great. Stuff. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So it's a standard, uh, standard mount. And it, you look down through it. It's like a, a TLR yep. through, the, through the lens. Yep. Yeah, it's a little plasticky kind of viewfinder. Yeah, so. yeah. So and it, it fixed shutter, I guess, like 140th of a second. Yeah, that's their standard. Yeah, somewhere right in there. I think they probably they probably one thirty, but uh, yeah, somewhere right in there. They have like an instant and a bulb. Yep. Yeah. Uh, am I correct in saying that this particular Kodak reflex you can get fairly inexpensive on the bay? Or Absolutely. At antique yeah. shops. A lot yeah. of places. Yard love, sales. Yeah. People don't sales. put a lot of. Pr- they don't put a high price on this type of camera. No, mostly because of the format. Well, because so it's one twenty-seven. Yeah, right. yeah. So that makes it complicated. But yeah, you can get these on on eBay for ten. Twelve dollars all day yes. long. This is actually Danes that I've been shooting. I have an identical one myself that you gutted it. Has been totally gutted for yeah. thirty-five. So yeah. it's it takes a lot of dremeling, but you can fit thirty-five and yeah and clean. I mean, as once you gutted it out, it fits right in. Yeah, it fits canister, in. You can close no, it up properly. No, no uh, pack of peanuts or duct tape or nothing. Yeah. If you don't want to roll your own one twenty-seven film, you can buy fresh one twenty-seven film at F- Freestyle. Yeah. Freestyle. And uh, Blue Moon Camera. Oh. Yep. The B and H okay. is a little more pricey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they're yeah. hand doing it. Yeah. So the, you can get one twenty seven film fresh with no no bother. And then of course whoever's doing your processing, if you're not doing it yourself, you gotta get those spools back. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure you get, ask for your spools with back. Paper. Ask for your back paper. They won't give you your back paper. Why not? I've sent out stuff twice and they didn't send me back. The they paper. they yeah. sell it on eBay, don't they? The paper. They, yeah. That's why they don't send it back to me. Dwayne's photo will. Dwayne's photo no, will. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, unfortunately. Uh, 
Sharp? Sharp wouldn't. I, you know I sent is? a handwritten letter saying, please send back my All paper. All it is is the operator. Yeah. yeah. The, your paperwork somehow getting separate. Uh, that was, we were going to do that if we had uh, to do it next, but we went ahead and shot rolls and took I it myself. myself now. Yeah. Yeah, so most labs will return your stuff. Yeah, most will. It just I have tons of schools. Twice, so we yeah. were kind of pissed it's off. It's the papers yeah. I need. But, but, but anyway, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I, have a, I have a bunch of old expired 127 that's, yeah. that's totally shot anyway, so I can get paper out of that. And the camera next to it with the beautiful red bellows, oh, is that, that operational? Is beautiful. This is fully operational. It's a big guy. Oh, yeah, it just has the wrong. Does that travel through so. time? Now, is that the vest pocket? <laughs> the, Unless uh, you're like yeah, uh, this uh, is giant. The pocket. Yeah. Andre the giant. Yeah, I've got I've got here a ni- uh, 1921. Uh, it's a number one. It's amazing. Model number one autographic <laughs> model F. Oh no, sorry, F. no, sorry. This is the model B. Uh, B. And this was <laughs> B's not as good as F. This camera was only made for uh, a few months in 1921. 1921, Kev. Wild. Wild, right? You, right. you may dig this. It's actually got a rise and fall front on it. Oh, that's pretty sweet. Which is pretty cool for yeah. one of the best pocket cameras. Really nice lens. goes down to 6.3. takes 120, so it's really easy to load up. This one's missing most of its leather. But that was like the one I shot for Leslie. She has yeah. one of those guys. Yeah, I, I love that. You shot with this? Yep. Oh, I've done a few ah. rolls for this. It's and great. Everything looks yeah. good? It comes out look, looking like a dream. Period, like very a dream. And that's soft. Awesome. And I love it. Yeah. And then this one is, uh, the other one I have here is an even older one. This is a number three model. This is the Model F. And F. this one is F. from <laughs> 1915, 1916 or so. But this actually takes 118. Film. Those are the big Whoa. wooden spools, aren't they? Yeah. So this actually takes, this This makes 116 look like 120. Like this is yeah. giant stuff. So this is actually rolled with some fresh 116 right now that I rolled in there and I made some wooden spacers to, to space it out. So... So it's huge. So this is basically shooting 70 millimeter that's panoramic amazing. negatives. Yeah, I, I think that's about the same form factor wow. as a uh, a land camera, like a pack film camera. Didn't you put the back on? 116 oh. is is it's not it's not quite there. It's, it's about an eighth of an inch off because I have because yeah. I actually have a 116 with a Polaroid back on. Okay, a 116 number one. Um, so it's very close, but, but yeah, you could. But for the listeners out there, it's about it's just about that size, so it's pretty big for a, a folder. Yeah. Which camera yeah, did yeah. you adapt to a? You took a Kodak. That's that's one of my number ones. That's a number one, okay. a one sixteen number. One. It's an unholy union, you know. It is yes. Polaroid and Kodak mixed <laughs> <Yeah>. together. <laughs> exactly. It's like PC and Mac. That's right. All of a sudden, you get like subpoenaed. Yeah. Well, or both of those rash. companies are on the wires. They're not. They're do, not they, do they? On do the ropes. they? Do they? Do uh, they? Did it work? Putting a pack camera on your number one? Yeah, it works perfectly. I I, I just got the focal plane of the, the Polaroid back line right up where the film would have normally been, and otherwise, it just turns it into a fully manual. Yeah. Polaroid pack camera, yeah. which is kind of fun. So you can do some because you get bulb settings, and you can do some kind of fun stuff that you can't normally do with a Polaroid yeah. camera. But be able to see the picture in twenty seconds. Excellent. So. What do you got, uh, Dane? Oh well, I have a quick, quick hint. I figured out the other day. Oh, this is today's is secret. So cool. ha- another secret. What a, oh, if you have a holiday secret. flash brownie, Kodak brownie holiday flash camera. Look how cute also, that is. Starmatic. So cool. Look how cool yeah, that is. Starmatic. <laughs> anything with these two got the pins yep, on the side yep. of the flash, and then you have an Argus. Argus. You can just put them together. Look at that. Oh, and yeah. they fit. Set to jet. Like and it works perfectly. That right. Go, so now go shoot you, some so parties. You bring the dog to the party. You know. Nice. So you can go on eBay. This is important, even if you didn't mod it out like you guys did. Yeah. Get an, buy an Argus flash like that. Because they're probably cheap, dirt cheap. Oh, yeah, I think so. Is this got film in it? No. Yeah, Dane and I each have one of those Arguses. I got one in a box of junk for nothing, and he and paid I, a dollar for his. A lot of market, those, so, those yeah. flashes are in box lots. Yeah. yeah. So they range from zero to one dollar as far as we're concerned. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So... But yeah, it's kind of a yeah. Beauty. And what does it say on top of that? I scribbled some notes on top of the uh, camera. This says uh, uh, 127 film sluggish shutter. 
Probably oh. the shutter speed slow, yeah. Yeah. How you doing? But, and, uh, and I believe that's a 127 camera. Am I correct? It is. It is. Uh, actually, Dane just put a roll through one of those himself. Kodak Holiday Flash. Yep. And I just shot a roll through a, yep. a Starmatic or something. Yeah. But I realized the roll I put through was chrome. And so at that, yeah, because we, 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 know. Know. we developed an HD 110. And, yeah. and the chrome made black. <laughs> so the camera I brought. It's not a Kodak. It is not. It but is you do a, shoot with the Kodak cameras frequently. Yes. Yes, uh, box, ca- oh. couple box cameras. Uh, they just had so uh, Dane many. loves the box cameras. Yeah, those yeah. are. Gr- I've gotten some great. I like to put thirty-five in the one sixteen box camera, so you get like this almost panoramic. Okay. You get like a four-inch line. Yeah. Maybe. It looks in for. I noticed that if I did three pictures, I could do a like a hundred and eighty degree. Oh, cool! It's that wide. It was so you know I was. I'm gonna plan to do that on the windowsill at the studio, you know, and then scan it all the and put it back together. It'll be like you know. <laughs> But, but you bought uh, a Porsche. <laughs> oh, uh, the, uh, the Porsche is... Uh, Never heard of that. I brought. Oh, this is great. Well, Porsche was the, uh, a company from like the... Tw- started in the 20s, a German company. And they started off by uh, branding other... They copied them. them? No, and then uh, actually uh, rebadged them as theirs. As theirs. Because oh, so, that like, looks like oh. a Canon FTB. It's like, it's a Cosina. It's like knockoffs. They're knockoffs. knockoffs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they've been doing that since the 20s. And then in the... Se- this is like from like in late 70s, I think. And it's just... Uh, I got it at a... The camera store was closing. And he goes, here's one for 10 bucks. Take it. And I'm like, <laughs> cool. Right. Mark had this cool lens that actually happened to fit it, which is a... Asahi uh, Auto Takumar. Auto. Yeah, so it's like a Pentax. I Pentax guess. mount, yeah. 1959, but it looks great. It's, nice. Um, it's got a $2 sticker on the bottom. I think you ripped you off. Oh, uh, that's 200. That's the film. Okay. That's the film. <laughs> so, but the best part of it is, is, uh, oh. is, is I call it the clapper because it's just got a mean slap. When you press the shutter, it's like... <laughs> right. It's just uh, one, two, three. <laughs> Slap. Just got a loud <laughs> click. Yeah. yeah. So now you You're can only even some feel foam it. It feels substantial when you're shooting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's. Uh, oh yeah. Check it out. Yeah. It's got a, it's got some weight to it, but uh, and it takes. But you know what it looks like when I took the. Uh, Ooh. Yeah. When it's I clean. Solid. Yeah. No. It's, it's so clean. clean. And and when I I've shot a few rolls with it. You know what it looks. It looks like a. Looks is like there a light meter in it? Yeah. If you just look through and it's and then pull. Is, the, is it the? Yeah. Pull down on the thing on your left. Pull this left tea. thumb. No, that's a, that's the self timer. Pull that down and look through. The proportions oh. are a little funny oh, on it for some reason. It's got yeah. a big forehead. It's got the arrow with the plus and minus. <laughs> yeah. You know? it's got a I, really I always like the little dial. Yeah, yeah, yeah those it's, are it's great. nice. Yeah. So but it, it just it's a really solid, simple camera. And I'm hope you know, I ha- this is the first roll I'm shooting with that lens. Oh, it gets really close. Yeah. And Nook, you're at eleven, so pull that Holy preview sweet. switch down. <laughs> nope, nope. Up on the side of the lens there's that little silver uh, oh, that thing. opens the yeah. So you can say you're it's trying your to focus, preview. but you set it like eleven or or sixteen. Pull down on that as you look through, all the way down, and it opens up the oh. aperture so you, so you can focus. So then once so you, you can need, focus, you need a third hand. You get How good at it. I am. You're pretty close. It's nice. Yeah. No. And so this, um, you know, I'm this roll is almost done, and I'm hoping oh, to feet on it too. Feet the meters. Yeah. Right. <laughs> now, <laughs> wh- when you uh, search Porsche, P-O-R-S, yep. now a lot of stuff comes up. P. How do you spell it? P-O-R-S-T. We're giving all sorts. What kind of, of stuff comes up? <laughs> Uh, besides the Porsche Camerapedia page? Oh, no, no. I mean, on eBay. Like, oh, on how eBay. Are, oh, you oh, have a no, Porsche, Mike. Right? I have a Porsche. You've got your there. Porsche S70. S70 knockoff, yeah. yeah. There are, I, I pay, first page alone, there must be, uh, there must be like 
15 of them right now, all under $12. And they don't go that yeah. high. You're kidding. Yeah, they don't go that any, high. Any of them come with other lenses? Uh, that's the thing. I didn't dig in to look at the okay. lenses. But, but the normal lens is a, like a 2.8. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, but, uh, but it's a typical M42 screw oh, mount. Okay. So you can use Pentax. All, all sorts of stuff. Screws. Yashica. All yeah. the Yashica, uh, Yashinon stuff fits Hi- it. Exactly, but uh, so no, so that's the one that's just lately that's and, been my SLR. And you one right now is a Porsche uh, uh, reflex. Yeah, the reflex. It's a CTL. SLR. Buy it now for twenty three bucks. There you go. And wow. your pictures come out nice. Yeah, the ones I did before with the I put my Yashica one point eight lens on it, and it, it came out great. Oh. You know, so. I think people are afraid that like when it, they're. Their body doesn't have a brand name. It's all it's all the glass. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is bulkier good, looking too. Get, get yeah. some, get oh, some and good actually, glass and get yeah. you know. One really cool thing about that on the left side, it's got PC jacks for the flash, but it's I got a separate M PC for M or for X, which so is kind of cool. It's wow. all set to go. It's yeah. Rather than put out. a switch on for MX, they just uh, put and two in jacks the manual, on. They actually show it like somebody put some like flash cubes in the top. Hey man, really appreciate Kevin's uh, walking out. Take care, everybody. Yeah. All right, Kev. Hey, man, right. thanks for the tunes. Yeah, man. But, yeah, so that one, this is I, my current favorite SLR. I've just been carrying around, lugging what, around. What, uh, what, do you call, what do you call that lens mount? Uh, I mean, it's kind of small. It's M42. M42. It's a screw uh, mount. Screw mount. M42 old screw. Old screw mount lenses. So old Cannons, old Nikons. Yeah. Old, no way. Yeah. Really? Yeah. All those. I thought, I thought it was an old Canon lens because they all look the same. Yeah, yeah. It go up to 22. Wasn't right? Kenichi looking for some lenses? Yeah, no, he has a body and he has lenses. But oh, his body doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. So He's can he go on eBay and get a Porsche? Yeah, oh, actually, it's a good point. I didn't even think about that. If he has a screw mount Pentax, that's what broke, right? His All sorts Pentax of secrets today. Oh, you can get a screw mount body. Yeah. yeah, sure. All the yeah. ports are gone Because now. it's the lenses that are expensive, yeah. not the cameras. Yeah, secrets. That's I'm fascinated by that camera because it's so it's, extra clunky. Yeah, you know, and it's it takes great shots. Yeah. And then the opposite that's of it, which is the ballsy. This is funny because to go back to the balls. This is the same one? That you, same one, but uh, I got the idea well, one day I was over there uh, – I was pulled it out of the bench and put some, and I'm like, wait, what these two things, how do these two stupid things work? And I noticed that one, the one hole oh, on the back. For was proprietary insulated. flash. Yeah, for their flash. And I, so I stuck a, you know, a screwdriver in and, and then, uh, you know, and some wire alligator clips and tested it. And I was like, whoa, it works. You know, grind it, grounded it to that, ground to the body. Yep. And it hit the flash. So then I was like, Mark, what do we, we got to, can you build a bracket for this? And he goes, just get online and buy a ballsy flash, and I got one for I got for the guy six bucks, seven bucks. And the, the original flash the original board looks like, like a giant arm, it's awesome. Huge. Yeah. And I, and so I was like, "What do you want to do, Mark?" And he's like, "Let me take a look at it." So and then he came up with this genius, where he just took the part off, bent it over, and riveted it on. Riveted so it takes a hot shoe to it. Oh. Put a hot shoe yeah. to it. Hot shoe, man. Hot shoe on everything. Yep. I know it's so and easy. You know. I buy these hot shoes for like a dollar from China, and we just stick them on everything. What so shoe? now I got a hot shoe because the ballsy. I didn't. I never used it in it, that much indoors. Things like that. Now you just can. Now I'm. I'm good to go. And, and what? Works. What um, shutter speed do you put it for the? I've set flash. it under fifty. Is what I'm setting it at. I'm get some good room light in there. I'm right? not sure if it's. I have. This is the first roll. No, we, just, I see. we just did it, so it's. Oh, man. We're hoping that it's not that sink problem where it's not. Uh, it's yeah, too slow or something. See. Holy sheesh. Buy an old camera online. Don't be uh, upset when you look through the viewfinder. It's all dirty and murky. Yeah. Oh, they always yeah. are. They always yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't mean anything. You get used to it. Wow. And then a lot of them clean and, out. Well, I mean, a lot of folks are buying it for that Lomo look, and, you know, you, you're not gonna, it's not going to be that accurate. Right. Yeah, you just shoot. Unless it's an SLR or it has, a, like, a Zeiss rangefinder, you're yeah. probably not going to be that accurate. No, so don't, yeah, yeah you can't just, just This just is great. It. What's holding this on? You riveted it. There's two rivets. Rivets? Wow. Yeah. 
Hardcore. Riveting. Well, Dane's rough on his toys, and he always breaks them. I yeah. screw them on, nope, so I riveted yeah. well, so it didn't break this time. A lot of stuff, you know, this goes back to the love of Kodak cameras. The guy who owned my 8x10 camera, um, Mr. Gary, I think it was Hewitt, he had, like, custom modded some things on the camera, and he riveted these two um, springs on eyelets so it holds the spring back. So even if the foam, the light seals go bad on it, there's these, spr- these springs and latches holding onto it for dear life. So, oh, like, wow. I don't have to change stuff out. Wow. It's, it's pretty neat. And he added, he riveted on something else to add um, swings in the front and wow. back. So, it's, you know, you can always trick your Custom. camera out. Yeah. yeah. Don't it's be scared. Amazing. No, yeah. yeah, dig, yeah dig in because if you break it, Mark will fix it. Yeah, but you guys give you have a free hot shoe. I have, I have <laughs> a growing you, box of broken cameras you'll go get, that are beyond repair. You'll go to get your camera fixed, and you'll come back with a hot, hot shoe, shoe on it. On it. Yeah. It's yeah. still broken. Already had a hot shoe. A when I put now. another one on it. But you have added like a dream to. Yeah. I mean, this cameras like a camera like this. You can you, see a whole new world now. You think in sometimes you think, oh man, I wish this had like. I mean, who, forget about a hot shoe. You just wish it was a cold shoe on it. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, I wish it had a exactly. shoe on it. Yeah, and it's so mechanical. That's why it seems like you can put a hot shoe in anything because it's just a closing yeah. of a contact. You know? Yeah, it's just two wires <laughs> touching each other. It's pretty so it's amazing. Pretty easy. Yeah. Well, pretty awesome. So yeah, you guys are going to hit the rickety road? Yeah, it's getting uh, getting late, so yeah. we've got to hit it. Uh, we're going to take a break, and then when we come back, Matt and I will remain and uh, talk about... Uh, we're going to get technical mics. Though, yeah, right? drum scanning. Oh, I'm missing the drum scanning. Yeah, you have to listen in uh, <laughs> playback. It. That's right. Hopefully it won't be in mono. <laughs> it's a 5x486. Chicks just love my 486. Computation's lightning quick. All backed up on a floppy disk.
Wow. I feel like, like you know, like a wedding or a bar mitzvah it or some kind of big event, like in a hall, like, you know, like when it's over and you like just feel like we're kind of still sitting here. Or the stragglers. Like yeah. everyone, like they're starting to clean up the room and we're just like still here. Yeah. The buzz is wearing e- off. Everyone left. <laughs> <laughs> just me and Matt now. It's fine. I mean, it was a super party. Oh, yeah. I'm sure uh, diehard FPPers want to hear about uh, our book of the month. Yeah. I mean, this is uh, this episode's kind of been a mishmash, but I, I, I like where, it, like, because we go, we, we, started, we started in easy with the pink delicates, and then we got, like, we got really deep about cameras, and yep. then we got deeper and more technical, mm-hmm. and then we worked our way back out. We talked about some, some pretty obscure cameras and some cool things, some secrets, mm-hmm. and now we're going, we're getting that personal kind of deep thing going back yeah, again. Yeah. So. I remember this is back in the day. This is when I was writing you guys fan writing yeah. FPP fan letters. Yep. Dwayne talked about this great book by Steve Simmons using the view camera. And I want to just kind of like talk about it again because for me this is like one of the 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 uh, holy, you know, holy documents to to refer to. This has everything you ever needed to know about how to use your large format camera. It it tells you everything you need, wow. necessities, explains all the different functions of like your your lenses, your it's like, shutters. It's like a Bible. It is the Bible. It shows you how the movements affect the image yes. from the front standard and the back standard because the front controls perspective, the back controls shape, and it just shows you how to... So this was like the, you know, you're training the kid on the studio camera back yep. in the early 80s. This was like they had a book and they had the training video. They have a training video on YouTube. It's really hard to find, but it's narrated by one of the old uh, CBS news anchors. No kidding. He does, he does the voiceover in the movie Anchorman. I yeah. can't remember the guy's name, but it's, it's hilarious. And it's one of those videos where it's like, hey, Billy, having problems with that camera? For real. Let's go. And they go through the movements. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, I think it was by Toyo or... No, it was Calumet. Mm-hmm. Calumet had like a dummy how-to video. It was fantastic. Calumet. But in, in a company to those silly videos, this is a very like serious book. This is written by the guy that uh, started View Camera magazine. Oh, okay. So, I mean, if, if there's someone that knows about the View Camera, it's, it's Steve. And it goes into film processing, mm-hmm. a little rudimentary zone system kind of thing. Talking about that, all the different ways you can develop your film. There's some great examples. And we have a, a, type a, letter. a, a typed letter on like this tissue paper. Oh, no, this is from uh, Shaq Mahdi. Oh, this is from Shaq. Oh, okay. So this is the book. Ooh, it says here, here are a few photography magazines to help keep busy between podcasts. A while back, Dwayne recommended a book for those, like me, who are just getting into 4x5 photography. I ordered a copy, and I thought I might send an extra one to you. The title is Using a View Camera by Steve Simmons. So far, it has proven to be a very useful resource. Yeah, it is. Thank you to all at FPP for your hard work in keeping film alive. Have fun. Michael Sherman, Shaq Maddie. Have you seen Shaq Maddie's yeah, uh, large format on stuff? on Flickr. Have you seen the large format he's been doing? No. It's good. How often does he post? Once a week? Every few weeks? I would say at least least once a week, yeah. Because when he does his medium format, he's posting like he's putting them up there. P.S. I wrote wrote this letter on my Olympia Splendid 66 portable typewriter. Another obsession of mine. Collectible vintage cameras take up less space. (laughs) If you ever have the urge to type again, drop me a line. I could put you in touch with some good sellers on eBay. Ooh. Of these classic beauties. Now this is this is kind of a dated letter, but it's uh, uh, June eighth, twenty eleven, one year. So we're we're about a year out, but this is my, a, again a great. Well, I'm, we're going to get back to the book. Okay. My, my, we're talking about typewriters. My personal favorite is the Olympia SM3 for real work, a Remington Five Streamliner for sheer beauty. PSS, really love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Well, I'm really glad that I marry the letters with the books because I thought. 
Steve Simmons sent us. Yeah, that's what I. Uh, that's what I was going to. So thank you, for. Shaq Mati. Yeah, thanks, Mike. And um, I'll have you know, and I'm sure you won't mind. We've kind of added this book to our our FPP library. Yes, it's a because this type book. of book you do, we just pull out for question or reference. Yes. So um, and isn't it true? Isn't it Steve Simmons? He has a magazine like View Camera Magazine. Yeah, that's his. Uh, that's his thing. Yeah. And this is one of the books when you go on the View Camera website that they have that you can that you can purchase. But this is an older edition, and it's it's got some great examples: alt, alt process, color, architecture. Mm-hmm. There's just oh, there's so much cool stuff. <clears throat> is in this here. not the book to have? Let's say you want to talk about read about Crown Graphic, not included, correct? Um, you know the Crown Graphic, the, and this book will even come out and tell you there's less movements with your Crown Graphic that are available. This is more for the street photography cameras, Crown Graphic. Very like, much so. That's like the handheld Ouija camera. Yeah, this is for the guys that want to do studio or fine art landscape mm-hmm. work, and they want those movements, and they really want to control every meticulously control everything right. from start to finish. This is the book to get, but it's it's a great learning tool. So you can read this book, go through it, and then apply everything to your crown graphic. You're just you're starting. You have this library of, of things you can do, and then you you start re- uh, recognizing limits in your camera. Even my camera has. Many uh, many limits. I can I can only do about half the movements they talk about in this okay. book. So this is a great way to really understand what's going on with the view camera. And you know, twenty bucks on a book is much better than spending uh, several hundred dollars and decide or thousands of dollars and deciding you don't like it. Right. So a beautiful book <clears throat> using the view camera by Steve Simmons and an accompaniment to the the view oh, camera magazines. What edition this is? Oh, this this is the revised, revised edition, edition. But I know there's a newer, uh, an even newer one. So um, this was um, copyright 1987. Yeah. Co- copyright 1987. Revised 1992. Yes, yeah, so there should be a 2000s version as well that gets into some of the digital imaging and uh, digital workflow. Yeah. With large format because it, it's it's special. Yeah. There and you uh, the zone system everyone. Asks about the zone system. The zone system. It's a very, you know, like I said, we can always talk. People can talk, 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 talk about it. But the the basics of this is getting all the information you need to make a good quality print Mm -hmm. in the negative. That's what the zone system is all about. So, When we come back, we're going to be talking about another mystery. (laughs) Drum scanning. What is it? Is Ginger Baker involved? We'll find (laughs) out when we come back. Another mystery. Another mystery. Another mystery. Another mystery. Another mystery. Scooby Dooby Doo, where are you? We got some work to do now. Scooby Dooby Doo, where are you? We need some help from you now. Come on, Scooby Doo, I see you. Pretending you got a sliver. You're not fooling me, cause I can see. Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown. After the Cafes. Hey, the truck man. <laughs> World famous, the track man. <laughs>
check, check, check. Sibilance, sibilance. <laughs> hey, everybody. Hey, we're, why we're on break? Uh, William Apresino and the Trackman walked in. Oh, uh, hey. Hey. Hey, Tracky. What's up, man? Those of you who listen to the FPP know the Trackman. As a matter of fact, you were a guest on a, the special Florida edition episode. That's right. And so ha- people actually know who the Trackman is. Of course. Uh, <laughs> Can you do your signature? Uh, <laughs> and uh, <Why>? pe- <laughs> Can you do like a little more upbeat one? Hey. No, oh, come on. Hey! There we go. <laughs> also, uh, uh, is, uh, here is William Apresino. Whoa. Who uh, ma- many of you know as William Hellfire from yeah. the Alternative Cinema is that Podcast. Your last name? Yeah. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, Apresino. Yeah. Know him for many years. Uh, yeah. There are a handful of FPP listeners who listen to the Alternative Cinema Podcast. A crossover. Cro- oh, they're crossovers. They go both crossover. ways. Uh, a few weeks ago when I was in England, uh, a few of them said, Oh, I listen to the Alternative Cinema Podcast. Wow. I wow. said, Oh, you like those filthy words we say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't say filthy words on the No, FPP, no, no. This is the, f- the film photography uh, community. Uh, and William Apresino, for those of you who don't know, who know him from the AC Podcast, William, you've been working uh, customer service at the Film Photography Podcast Store. Yes, I have. Which is filmphotographystore.com. Tell, t- w- tell us a little bit about that. Tell me about the store. Like, what is the store? Oh, the store is pretty awesome. The store is where you can get uh, lots of used Polaroid cameras refurbished, cleaned up. I actually get to see behind the scenes when some of the cameras come in. Oh. And uh, we've seen some pretty interesting things. Uh, one that may work well with this little uh, interlude was uh, one of the cameras was wrapped in adult diapers. <laughs> Not used. Not used. Pew. Not used. But <laughs> yeah, pew. But it was pretty intense. That uh, that was a surprise. How you know they were adult diapers. They were big. They were big. Yeah. I put them right on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, those cameras get completely refurbished. Refurbished. Cleaned up. Cleaned up. Uh, what's popular in the store? Uh, let's see. Um, the Hollywood dog tends to move. That's a Polaroid 440 automatic lens. Yes, the 440 does move. Uh, Two tens today. We did a Spectra camera today. What was yeah, that Spectra? Spectra autofocus. Autofocus camera. Autofocus. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. The gold framed Impossible 680 color seems to be a very popular kind right? of add-on that people enjoy. Yeah. Wow. So film-wise, what are people buying? Um, most popular piece of film that flies out the door is the Fuji 3000B. Is that right? It is. Yeah. I think that's the highest number. So that moves a lot. Wow. Yeah. How are the customers? Oh, they're cool. They, they don't, they're pretty quiet. Oh, they're, yeah? yeah, they're pretty quiet. They're very, generally just very... Can I buy a camera? Yeah, please? they're very happy. <laughs> they're very happy. An old one with film? Yeah. But, you know, out there, you can send in your cameras if, if you're having a problem with it, and uh, Mike here will take a look you at it. You have a repair shop. Yeah. Oh, actually, we don't. I just do it. He well, just does a, it, you're yeah. you a repair shop. Yeah. For very simple problems mm-hmm. I can fix. A lot mm-hmm. of it's uh, battery wiring issues. Yep. Because they're all jimmy rigged for new batteries, and sometimes when they get jimmy rigged for new batteries, the you know either the soldering gets goes bad or uh, a wire comes loose. I'd, yeah. I'd be happy to give you a soldering class, Mike. Oh, really? Yeah. Because in, okay. in my other truck life, I was a technician. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, the track man. Uh, I, can I just say one thing? Of you course. Know, I, you can I, say it. I um, when you told me what you were doing with the you know film photography, I yes. thought you were just like messing around. I thought you was just you know how could you you know. How can this be what you do for a living? Because it makes no sense, right? Like, right. What, what do you mean? Well, what do you mean you make film film camera? What? But now they see your operation. This is like a legitimate business. I mean, yes. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, you got you got cameras and all kinds of things here. It's like really interesting to see all these relics be refurbished. Yeah. 
Yeah, very and, interesting. I, and and I, I, would, I would like to go home with one of these oh, you would? cameras. Yeah. He can maybe set me up with a Polaroid Ooh. or something. Ooh. Yeah. So uh, for those of you who don't know, that why, uh, you know, simply, why do people call you the track man? Well, it's, it's a long story. Well, it's well, a simple the, version. Well, the simple version was I used to work at the racetrack. There you go. Meadowlands Racetrack in, uh, in East Rutherford, New Jersey. That's I was, it. I was a tech. Yeah. But... Uh, but you know the way it really started was uh, the Metal End Showcase back in the late eighties oh. uh, was produced, and I was asked to be uh, a guest on there. And I don't know, I just came out and did the voice. <laughs> and the rest is history. Okay, what's well, a signature Trackman thing? Hey! Is, that about, is that right? Tell us because uh, all of our listeners have been reading up on Kodak in the last few months. Tell us about. The brand new camera you have. Oh yeah, you know, I, I was in uh, in one of the big uh, department stores, and you know, right next to all the Canons and the Nikon's was this nice little Kodak, and the price was right. And it's, uh, gosh, you know, I should know the model of this. Um, it's the uh, Easy Share Max Z 990, and it's a very nice Kodak digital camera. I paid about 189 bucks for it. It takes excellent 1080 uh, video. Yep. Which is why I bought it. Oh. But I'm very happy with it, and uh, you know I would recommend it. You know you got to give Kodak a you know. Yes. Yeah. Give him some cash. Give him some cash. You know, but but I'm happy with it. So that's it's, 180 dollars, huh? Uh yeah, well, it's about that's, that's pretty, and, and uh, yeah. on the card, how much video can you uh, take on? Well, that? I got a I got a, uh, a sixteen gig mm-hmm. uh, uh, SD card in it, okay. so it's it's just fine. I, I can put you know whatever whatever they make, I can put in there. Nice. So yeah, I, I don't fill it up very quickly. Wow. So yeah, click 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 click. Pretty groovy. Well, those of you listening may know that Kodak stopped producing their digital line of cameras, so here's an opportunity to get them less expensive. This might be the last one they make. Could possibly be. I want to thank you two guys for stopping in. All right. That's it. We're done. Hey, we're back. Drum scanning your film. Back in the early 1990s, when I was putting a promotional poster together for Psycho Sisters. Okay. Uh, those were the days of early Windows, but there was Photoshop. Yep. But in order to get a scan. A good scan. From a transparency for a poster size, mm-hmm. I had to bring it to an in- imaging shop. And I spent probably, I don't remember exactly, but I want to say $70. For a drum scan. That's about what you'd do today. Yeah. Yeah. So 
What is it? What is it <laughs> compared to you know my Epson V seven hundred? Well, let's let's preface this. The Epson V seven hundred. I think every hobbyist film shooter should have something like a V seven hundred on hand because it's a indispensable tool for digitizing and sharing your mm-hmm. your photos or making you know pretty reasonable prints eight by ten, eight, eleven by fourteen. You can make. I've made good uh, twenty by thirty prints with uh, Epson V seven hundred scans of my eight by tens. But when you really want to get like really nice, juicy enlargements from thirty-five millimeter medium format, you know, larger and larger, and you or you have a, a really tricky piece of chrome. You ever have that experience where you see a chrome on a light box and it looks gorgeous? Yep. And then you scan it and you're like, "What happened?" Yep. A drum scanner can a drum scan a really good one can solve all those issues, and it's because uh, of the way the nature of the scanner. When you set uh, a piece of film. On your reflective scanner or in your film holder, there's there's a, a light source backlighting, it and it just does like a quick little pass. Yes. Or x, you know, x and y, and that's 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 all it's doing for the pass. And you're moving you're moving the sensor across the uh, across the image or the or the piece of film or whatever you have, and it's it's picking that up, and it has a pretty decent resolution. But some sometimes they're softening the the negative isn't in the best contact yep. with it. Uh, the next step from there is they fluid mount. They have this oily, this mm-hmm. oil or alcohol-based um, mounting fluid yep. to kind of um, make that depth of field even thinner and tighter to the the glass that's scanning on. But there's still that that piece of glass in between it, and you you sometimes just see that softening. You can't get as high a resolution. They can digitally do it, but it's just not quite there. The drum scan, your 35 millimeter frame, or all the way up to your 20, you know, your 20 by 24 frame, if you have a big enough drum, is mounted to a clear acrylic drum, right? And it's sandwiched in these in the piece of acetate to protect it. But it's in this mounting fluid, and that mounting fluid prevents dust because you're scanning at super high resolutions at this point. You know, some some go. You know, uh, four thousand DPI, sixty-four hundred DPI, but it's true DPI. So yeah. you, know, you have this giant TIFF file you're working with. They call it a drum scan because it's loaded on this acrylic drum. Yep. Sandwiched between the acetate and the mounting fluid, and then it's spun at like ten thousand incredible, at incredible speeds. It's really whirring along there, and so a lot of care and precision has to be taken. So you have to have someone who's a technician, an right. expert at scanning with this. Uh-huh. They usually have an older computer because there's not too many modern drum scanners made, but it it generates a very better like a longer dynamic range just because your light source on yep. your scanner isn't moving drum scan is a higher intensity light source and the, the combination of that and the rpms that this thing is spinning at to to get that tighter that tighter movement of the sensor and there's usually a larger imaging sensor through a through a lens on this uh drum scan that you can get much resolve much finer detail really dig into the shadow detail of your uh your mm-hmm. slide film and even pull some stuff out of the highlights in your color negative film and you can get obscene resolutions from these 35 millimeter frames let me ask you a question that's a sensitive question sure can you take let's say you're exhibiting you know you you want to show your your images at mm-hmm. a show you want to sell your images what show uh, if you're not taking your negative and printing it to make prints, yeah. can you shoot a transparency, drum scan it to amazing re- resolution, and then print from that to make your prints f- for sale? Oh yeah, that's a great way to do. It. That's a lot. Of, that's how a lot of guys are getting their 35 millimeter portfolio reprinted as because you know the big trend right now is people love those big prints. Yep, They're just obnoxiously large prints. I mean, people. I think personally, I think people are printing too big. 
just for the sake of printing it big because it's a little bit cheaper than it used to be to pay some darkroom to enlarge it or something. Right. And You mean like poster size? Like 16 by... No, like obnoxious. Like I know some shows, people like 40 by 50. 40 by 50? That's huge. Yeah, that's it, big. Really, and from a 35 millimeter frame, you're asking a lot of your your scanner and your, your quality. And I, I don't even have... Eight by ten negatives. I want printed that big, just because I right. know I know it's not the stuff's not there yet. No, I don't think it's that sensitive a question. I think drum scanning is the only option when you want with a thirty-five millimeter. If you go beyond sixteen by twenty, you, it has to be a drum scan. Yeah, ha- I mean, if you want it to have that same punch, of course. Yeah, where and who does drum scanning? Well, there's a there's a lot of it's a very niche because this is old equipment. You have to be trained on this equipment. It's kind of like the getting to know your camera. Right. Like you have to really know your way around these scanners. You have to have all this old equipment and convert it, and it's time consuming. Mounting these lot lots of tape and acetate and mounting fluid and cleaning these. If you're not a meticulous person, you, you probably shouldn't be drum scanning. Yeah. And it's expensive. I don't want to say expensive because I don't want people not to try it. It's not something you send like you know every 30, yeah. You don't send them every frame. You send them something that you're making you're making and selling a print from. Yep. Or you're giving someone your god honest best work. Yeah. So I think I think Donker Dave had some some drone scan stuff for oh. his one of his shows. You can scan negatives and positives. Yes. Okay. I would say drum scanning is great for negatives for that high resolution. But if you want the best like the best results out of a drum scan, drum or a flatbed scan some Kodachrome oh, and then have yeah. someone then have someone drum scan it and you'll see it just comes to life comes to life it has that range that that range that you're supposed to have on the slide film you'll see it in the drum scan yeah just and just because it's a higher intensity light source that's going on in the drum scan mm-hmm. and it's because it's doing uh, some of them do multiple passes so you can get right. that shadow detail you can get that highlight detail and it just combines into one beautiful file mm-hmm. you know i don't really hate on the you know inkjet print light jet print it doesn't matter no it's fine if you're printing your work after a certain resolution it only makes sense to drum scan i don't i i just like people would be like flabbergasted if they saw what i did to scan my eight by ten it's just like slap and go kind of stuff on the flatbed just because i i feel that if people want to see my work at its best like you come see the, the handmade print yes you don't like you can get a good feel for it online. It's like you don't care too much about the digital. I online. don't. I don't. It's so like, like whatever. If, yeah, if someone downloads it, whatever. You know, it's it's yeah. no big. So drum scanning. Uh, there's a lot of different places you can Google drum scans. Usually, Google drum scan in your area. There's a lot of places in the U.S. Uh, a couple of great places in Canada mm-hmm. that um, some FPP listeners and contacts use a lot. It's pretty affordable. Anywhere from. 20 bucks for a bad drum scan all the way up to 150 bucks for a yeah. super high-end scan. The Google. And, but you're only going to be doing this for a couple files at a time. Yeah, absolutely. So stuff that you know is like you've gone to the extent to register it with the copyright office and you're going to make prints from it, you're going right. to drum scan it. Yeah. But if you haven't tried it, I would say, you know, po- pony up the pony up the money, 50 bucks or so, and try it and see if it if it really, you know, delivers an image you like. If it's not for you, you know, it isn't for everybody. Yeah. Pick a pick something special though. Very special yeah. just because you're going to, you know, really like to see the image. Do we cover it? Pretty much. You know, if you have questions about drum scanning, you want us to point you in the right direction. If you're in um a place not in the US and need some help finding some sources, I love searching for for stuff for yeah. listeners because I, I want them to try out this stuff because i've i've only had i've only had two negatives um drum scan mm-hmm. and the results are oh my gosh well well far beyond what i'm capable of doing scanner yeah. wise and 
it makes me feel like a better photographer because they were able to pull out all this it's beautiful the best. detail. It's the best. It is. It's yeah. the Ferrari. So, yeah. you know, the Epson's the Honda that's going to get you there. And then you just like drum scan it, you're under the Ferrari. But again, a drum scan is not going to recover a blurry image. No. It's not going to recover bad processing. Nope. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, thanks, Mike. When we come back, we're going to be talking about something called split grade printing. Yes. And then flashing and some other, oh, and some other uh, darkroom techniques. Yep. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Mike Rosso. I'm here in the FPP studio with Matt and John. Hey. I'm here to talk about the Film Photography Store. That's right. Film Photography Podcast. We have our own store, filmphotographystore.com. And if you have been thinking about getting a Polaroid camera, whether it's a Polaroid Pack camera, like the Color Pack 2, or the Polaroid 420 camera, that's Matt's camera. Oh, yeah, it's a great camera. Or maybe you want a Polaroid one-step close-up camera, a Polaroid impulse camera. Maybe you need some FP100C. Maybe you need some the elusive FP100B. Oh. Maybe you need some expired Polaroid, Polaroid Polo 108. Oh, I think I might. Yes. Filmphotographystore.com help support the guys at FPP to keep these shoes coming your way. Yes. Filmphotographystore.com, thank you very much. Now get over there. Mm. That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just bought the most marvelous birthday present for Mother. Did you, darling? How nice. What is it? It was supposed to be a surprise. A camera? Whatever for? I can always conjure up pictures if I want to without all that fuss. Well, that's why I chose it. There is no fuss with a Kodak Instamatic camera. There. All loaded and ready to go. Even indoors. Don't you dare. Actually, I think I'll keep it myself. Oh, these poor mortals are getting rather clever. I think I might keep it. You will? Let me finish wrapping. Oh, well, don't bother. Just say cheese. Limburger. Oh, pew. For most of us, taking pictures with a Kodak Instamatic camera is easier than witchcraft. And they start at less than $19. They really are perfect gifts. See your Kodak dealer. Hey, we're back. Man, this is, you know... I'll try and keep this quick. I know we've, yeah. been, we've been really, like, marathoning We have uh, one more shoe until the summer break. I'm getting people, you know, braced for it, like, early, because, you know, you want people to be upset. Oh. Wrap it to the show. Wrap it to the show. August, we're going to take August off. And that's good, because we'll come back fresh in September. Very fresh. And uh, I need to get out and do some shooting, and I need to uh, spend some time in the FPP shop to bring in new products. And uh, so it's not like... You know, there'll still be content coming out. Of, oh, of some yeah, the, sort. Site, the site's still, still going to be up. Yeah, you know, well, what's the response on that? The folks really like the, like the review. What do they like? The gallery, the reviews. Is it all pretty doing pretty well? Well, the gallery is always really popular. Okay, uh, and hey, it's now that we uh, Alex picked the gallery earlier in 2012. Michael Kalea did the print exchange Dan 2012. Dan, you had mentioned you had some stuff. I've got some stuff. I'm doing like the folks doing stuff outside the box, like really outside the I box. I can't wait to see that. Because I, I love seeing when someone does. And, you know, some of it is cliche outside the box, mm-hmm. but it's just kind of showing you when you see that, it gives you like, wow, I could have been doing this. Or I never even thought of that. Right. Because the more different work you see, even if you don't like it, it, mm-hmm. it opens your mind to different ways of, of seeing the world. And that's what photography is about. I agree. 
So maybe sometime in the next, you know, few weeks to a month, we can have. Oh yeah, that'll be out. But yeah, the response to the gallery is fantastic. Um, well, I know people love seeing their work on the site. Oh yeah, and then you know, it's it's encouraging to just folks that you know submitting to the pool doesn't mean that we're just like gonna like steal your images like we want to feature your images and see what you're doing see how you're progressing with film Uh, Matt what the heck is split grade flashing Uh, and other printing secrets I'm just gonna keep this quick too so like what is it well they're all different uh, techniques to print your images so mm-hmm. like if you have usually it's for problem negatives for negatives that are very contrasty right and you're trying to get all this there's all this beautiful information you've scanned it you know it scans well but you're trying to print it on silver gelatin paper and it's just not working like you print it and like it's it's too it's too flat or it's too too contrasty and you need to bring down you mm-hmm. bring it down one of the techniques is pretty new to me I've only been doing it for the past couple of months and that's flashing and we talked about this when we were talking yes. about the paper negatives yep what you're doing is you're hitting it with an ultra low contrast light like a yellow light which gives green light because the, the paper responds to green light special light or you just buy a regular no, light no, bulb no under your enlarger oh okay so this, is, this is all enlarging stuff so you're you've got your paper you don't have the negative in the carrier yet, but you want to give the paper a little bit of yep. light. So, so this is darkroom printing. Yes, yeah, it's, yep. okay. it's all darkroom printing stuff. You're basically flashing down the paper, the threshold yes. of printing. So basically you're bringing down the paper to the split second just before white starts turning into non-white tones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Usually mm-hmm. in some papers it's one or two seconds right. of of that gray of that really yellow light that grade zero or grade one light up to five seconds sometimes and that's just to make sure that the high the delicate highlight information that's barely making it through the the density of your yep. negative is affecting the paper and then the shadows will print the same it, it's for really contrasting negatives so like in a nature scene where there's all this backlight coming through but you still have detail in the sky and you know it's there yeah and you've got all the shadow and these shadows are very thin areas of the negative you're flashing down that paper so it's ready to see what little bit of information is coming mm-hmm. from the highlights and the shadows just print pretty close to the same right and then the the split there's a lot of arguments like i'm i'm probably going to start with a fight <laughs> about about split grade printing but this is all with variable contrast paper right. vc because it's the most common now very few people use graded papers the split grade is you're flashing you're not flashing you're you're exposing the paper under a low contrast grade of light like a grade z or yeah a a low contrast grade of light like a zero and then you're hitting it with a high contrast grade of light like a like a five so it's like the yellow light and then the magenta light and that's to utilize both both sensitivities of the paper to uh to get the shadow detail on there and have the shadows not muddy but to get the highlights on there without the highlights being all blocked up and just white. So you hit it with the, the zero light to get the uh, the highlights separated. Yep. And that'll give you detail in your whites and your almost white grays. And then you, but for not not so long that the, the shadows are all muddy. Right. And then you hit it with that f- grade five light to give you separation, get you those nice deep blacks and separation in those tones without and, and it's just getting the best of both worlds and that's just a balance there's a lot of testing i put a quick youtube video up on my okay, youtube nice. channel and you can get that from the website and we'll put it in the show notes who how did you learn this stuff um a lot of those darkroom books we talked oh. about uh, over the, over the year like the past flashing, year and a half that? split grade yeah um there's some great books on that the way beyond monochrome we talked about that book uh dan domi recommends that one 
there's um, any of the Ansel Adams book, the mm-hmm. the print, Ansel Adams, the negative and the print talk about it a little bit, especially the print. Um, the Beyond the Zone system talks about mm-hmm. these techniques. Any of the modern black and white darkroom books talk about this stuff. You can Google search split grade printing. The Google. I had a, a nice little write up on it too that you can read. And, you know, if any questions about these advanced darkroom techniques, these are just basically trying to, um, it's all about that consistency. Yeah. Because not every, not every scene is going to be the same. If you're not, if you're doing natural light and you're not adding in your own artificial light, you're not going to have that same consistency. Some stuff has a really high contrast. Some of it's very flat. Yep. When you have a flat scene, you're going to, um, you're going to kind of fudge around the areas by, by bumping up uh, the contrast in, in the scene. So you're going to, if you have flat light, you're going to probably overdevelop your negatives to give it that standard contrast and then hit your paper with the same intensity of light you always do. Or if you didn't and the negative is still very flat, you're going to want to give it a, uh, a higher contrast grade of light to kind of get that separation that's not there in the right. flat negative. If it's, you're in the darkroom, this makes total sense. I mean, I've been in the darkroom, so I could grasp this. Yeah, so like those filters, those VC filter yes. packs, that's everything to do with this stuff. All the stuff you need to know for paper negatives takes place on the yellow side of that filter scale. Yep. Like the zeros and the ones, that's all for the paper negatives. And your x-ray uh, and filtering your... Your X-ray film during exposure in the camera. All the stuff on the magenta side of it is to get your uh, to get your deep shadows in there, shadow yeah. separation. So, if you have any questions, please email me Matt at filmphotographyproject.com. Um, I I don't guarantee a hundred percent accuracy on some of this information right. because I'm still learning in the darkroom. That's what's great. I'm not perfect at this yet. If I was, <laughs> right, I would uh, know it all. Yeah, and I don't want to know it all. I kind of want to experiment still it's it sucks actually when you like oh. can go in and you print and get the negative right on the first piece of paper you're like what am i going to do with all this chemistry right right and you kind of want to blow through the paper so are you still excited in the dark room or is it getting a little tedious you know or it depends on your mood it sometimes depends on the mood most of the time if i'm like having a frustrated day i'll go develop film Developing film in pitch black. Oh, okay. Darkness. It, it, it relaxes. Very, very relaxing. That's my, that's my downtime. Darkroom printing can get tedious. I, I actually like to print in the morning. Oh, okay. I found printing in the morning. When, when you say, what kind of morning? Like, name the time. Like 9 a.m. Okay. Start, start fresh at 9. Do you have to kick young punks out or they come in and open? Uh, Do they, like, come in like, make no, noises? No, the, the, the punks don't come in then. That's why. <laughs> I get everything done. and everything's I mean that lovingly. Yeah. yeah, everybody, all the punks are out of there. But sometimes they'll mess up with my prints when they're drying. So, uh, you know, yeah, sharing space yeah. is is not fun. But having big space is very good. Yeah, so. yeah no doubt. And then, like, uh, yeah, send me a qu- send me questions, corrections, yep. all sorts of fun stuff. And and share your prints. I think. Oh yeah, I want to see stuff. We want to see stuff. Like scans are great, but if you scan a print, that tells me more about what you're doing in the darkroom than seeing a scan because some people are like oh it scans better that doesn't mean you printed it well you know right oh so if you're in the dark room printing just make an extra print on like crappy paper or whatever rc paper and scan it up and, and send it over yeah or if you have questions you say this is how it's printing right now can you help me i can answer like i want listener letters that have like a print and say matt help me you know like that'd be cool mm-hmm. i would I, I don't want listeners to be like that desperate but it'd be cool to 
get that kind of stuff. If uh, you want to send stuff, you can send it here, P.O. Box 152, Butler, NJ, 07405. Or send emails, emails with scans of like the, ne- scan the negative, yep. and then scan the print. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I can, I can, I'm at the point now, I can tell you that you can do this, and it will make it a little bit better. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked, I think we've almost covered Darkroom full circle. We talked about dodging and burning. Yep. We're getting there on this, the really complicated techniques. And uh, if there's anything we've left out or you folks really want to know about mm-hmm. the darkroom, I'll be glad to mess around and, and discover them because I want to get to the point in the darkroom where I can just like walk in. Yep. Everything's ready to go. I have a printing session. I can say I have this many negatives. I have this much paper. I expect to get so many prints because it's getting to the point pr- for me price-wise that it doesn't make sense to print mural, but it doesn't make sense to right. like waste a lot of paper on on an eight by ten yes. or an eleven forty. So great! Yeah. Now it's exciting because we can talk about our giveaways for the day. Oh, sweet! What are we giving away? We're Mike? giving away. Uh, we tested one of these cameras. Pick that up. Yes. Oh, mind. okay. Oh, so this is a this is a sought after camera. The this OM10. is this is a pretty good camera. It's uh, uh, as soon as I picked it up, I said, Mike, this is like a one program, but with like. Olympus glass right beautiful camera functions very well I've got some images posted up on Flickr I shot them with uh, the Kodak uh, 3200 speed T-Max film oh yes we did I did natural light in here after you know uh, I I shot I tested this when we were talking about shooting with natural light Mm -hmm. so you know what better to accompany it so oh we have a letter with it no this is the, the Oh, another one. We have two, we're given two cameras in the okay. same period. Both not, Olympus. No, both no, Olympus? no, no Canon or, or Nikon this, this time. This is an Olympus. We're giving two Olympus. Olympus OM10. This kind of goes hand in hand. A couple months ago, I reviewed on the FPP blog the OM2. Yep. OMs are, they're cult. And cult this, cameras. we juiced this up with brand new batteries. Yeah. This Everything is functional. Very functional. Uh, we don't have a manual for this particular camera, but our good friend Mike Butkus. Mike Butkus. If you go to Google and type in camera manuals. Yeah. The Google. Mike Butkus, B-U-T-K-U-S, yes. his site will come up. And um, this has, it's, it's a solid 35 millimeter SLR. It's an automatic camera. It has uh, the aperture priority mode. It has the, yeah, it's got aperture priority. It has the full auto that you can have. And then there's a... a and a special adapter. I think this. I'm not sure if this came with the camera, but this allows you to adjust the uh, shutter speed manually too, right. so you can go full manual. And there's an override on the camera for that. So um, really solid fun, uh, really solid feel to it. All the Olympus lenses are just great little yeah. solid lenses. Oh I think my god! Yeah. This comes with a 51.8, and it's got a uh, it's got the UV filter that's been on there for ever. So which you can keep on or take off. Yeah, you've got good quality glass on here. Fresh batteries. Fresh. The se- look at these light seals, Mike. This this camera is impeccable. Yeah, I, I would say this is this is a a, a nine out of ten, if yes, not a ten. Yes, it's beautiful. I would be glad to pick it up, and it's um it's smaller in the hand than most most professional SLRs. Yeah, it is. It's it's, it's like nice. a K one thousand, almost yeah. identical, but mm-hmm. it's got a little more functionality. If you want to get in on this camera. You go to filmphotographyproject.com forward slash giveaways, 
and you will see our giveaway page. And you fill out the form, tell us a little bit about yourself. Someone's going to win. It's a great yeah. camera. I-, I love seeing these go into the hands of people that are going to make great images with them. Great. Okay. Well, that about, that about wraps it up, Matt. That was kind of a marathon, but it was you know, a marathon. I think uh, I think the listeners are going to find we're you know really digging in with some of the the technique. Yep. And. Uh, I think there's something for everybody this episode. Like, if you find yep. something you, you liked, you know, move if, on. If, if anything, <laughs> you will find that you uh, like the Pink Delicates. Delicates, of course, uh, John Fideli and Kevin Nebelung. And you could Google them, Pink Delicates, CD, CD Baby. Baby. Yeah. Or you could just go to iTunes and down, you know, buy their first album and their new album. Uh, it's pretty exciting. And we're going to end with some, uh, some cuts from the, uh, new album. Oops. from the new album. So uh, we'll see you in two weeks. I hear John's voice in my head, of course. Two weeks, two weeks, what are you, a bird? He's getting consistent with that. That's from, of course, The Money Pit.
I think Polaroids are made with magic, with uh, little tiny little elves that live in the camera. Uh, I don't know where they get food or how they breathe in there, but, uh, but I thank them. Hey, it's Michael Rosso here from the uh, Film Photography Podcast, and I just got back. I just stopped back at the studio real quick to drop off my trusty uh, Polaroid camera and to talk to you really briefly uh, uh, because I just got back from the Vision Fest uh, 2012 at the Tribeca, uh, Tribeca Theater in New York City where I went to see Time Zero the last year of Polaroid film. This is a documentary by Grant Hamilton. And for folks out there who, who shoot Polaroid photography, instant photography, shooting impossible project film, your expired Polaroid film, or thinking about getting involved with instant Polaroid type photography, I highly, highly recommend that you go to uh, Time Zero... Let me find the website, timezeromovie.com, and try to find a screening of this film in your area. It is highly recommended if you are a Polaroid shooter, or if you've never shot instant photography in your life and you're thinking about getting into it, this movie will tell you the whole story of uh, Polaroid film and its demise and its amazing comeback in 2010 by the independent uh, company The Impossible Project. So I was there and I took some, well, Polaroids of course, and here is the uh, marquee in the lobby for the film. And here is uh, filmmaker Grant Hamilton. He was on hand, some Q&A. Here's, uh, here's me and Dave Bias from The Impossible Project hanging out outside the theater, chit-chatting. And uh, here's uh, Doc 
for folks out there who know the Impossible Project, here's uh, Florian Caps uh, in the lobby chatting with some folks. And it was a really, really fun experience. And I even met some, um, here are some um, young adults, YA, shooting Polaroid. I met these folks in the lobby. Uh, that's Charles. That's Charles and Riesel. I hope that I pronounced your name right. R-A-I-Z-E-L. Hi. It's great meeting you guys. And there was even a Polaroid photographer there shooting shooting with his uh, pack camera. He shot an uh, image of me. This was uh, an uh, image that was shot by Christopher Bonanas. Thank you very much, Christopher. It's pretty awesome. But once again, this is really just a quick hey, hello uh, about this documentary. If you didn't know about it, it's called Time Zero, The Last Year of Polaroid Film. Highly recommended. My name is Michael Rosso with the Film Photography Podcast. It's an internet radio show about shooting with film, and we're on our, on our site, filmphotographypodcast.com, and we're also on iTunes. You can also send me an email anytime about anything Polaroid or film-related, and that is at podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Thanks a lot, and I'll see you guys very soon.